Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. My name is John. My name is Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, man. What's up? Tell me, Taylor. What do we... Uh, oh, well, really quick, we do have uh, producer Stevie at the control panel. Captain yes. Stevie. Um, Taylor, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the Biden plan to end our gun violence epidemic. Wow. I know, right? Seems pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Seems like common sense. It seems like, apparently, we have a gun violence <laughs> epidemic. Yeah, apparently we do. Right. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the basically Biden, the Biden-Harris gun control policy. I have no doubt that Biden did not write any of this in no. actuality. This is the same thing that's yeah. been written over and over again by right. Bloomberg, Moms Demand Action, and all these yeah. anti-gun This groups. is like a standard liberal action plan to get rid of your guns. Right, but now it's on a president, possible presidential scale. Right. So... Um, we don't know how long this episode is going to go today. It might go a little longer just because it is, I mean, this guy's got a oh, lot of Jesus. stuff. He's got like almost 20 pages of bullshit. We're not going to read every single little, you know, word, but we're going to go over most of the, uh, most right. of the points. Right. Um, so just right off the bat, it talks about, um, the almost 40,000 people who die as a result of firearm injuries every year in the United States. Okay. All right. So, uh, I, I wanted to know if that's like a legit number. I think it. I, I've heard numbers about that, but most of them, I think, sixty percent of that are suicide. Mm-hmm. Which and it is, it, yeah. Which so. is very unfortunate, but honestly, it's not a violence epidemic at that yeah. point. If that's the number they're going with, right? And so, most of those are comprised of suicides. Mm-hmm, then how is mm-hmm. it a violence epidemic? Right. So I, I kind of, I, I dug a little bit. Oh, okay. I looked at the FBI uh, crime stats. Um, I also looked at CDC. Um, reports and, and whatnot, and, and their numbers are pretty much the same. Some numbers I found from the crime stats, some numbers I found from CDC. Okay, the numbers that you know, the areas that they covered that were the same, the numbers were the same. So, I'm going to assume that both of their numbers are accurate. Um, so it would these, probably be the best source to get this information, correct? From. Yeah, I would think so, especially the FBI. Which it's funny because people will say, Oh, well, FBI crime stats on you know, things like how the police are racist, but then they won't believe things like, well, when you look at the FBI crime stats, they don't target X, Y, and Z. No one believes that type of stat. But right. We're not they only cherry that, pick yeah. which information yeah, they want the, to use. The, the FBI is only reliable and doesn't lie when the statistics support <laughs> their cause. It's it's amazing. But Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I've noticed that. It's, yes, uh, yes. it's something else. But So we're looking at the 2018 crime uh, stats. Um, I don't. I didn't see 2019. I don't. They definitely don't. They don't have 2020 yet because right. shit's it's still not going over. on. Um, that's gonna be a rough number. Yeah. <laughs> it is, man, with all the shit that's going on. But so the total homicides mm-hmm. for firearms. I'm sorry. The the total homicides um, overall 14,123. Okay. Those the the amount that had to do with firearms 10,265. Okay. That's a good majority. Yeah, of course. Um, the the firearm homicides that used handguns, 6,603. About 60% of those, a little more. The uh, firearm homicides that included rifles. This is so funny. Let's remember, rifles are the thing they're going for. Right. 297. Wow, that's a very that's 0.02 2%, not even. <laughs> so the out thing, of that 10,000 right. roughly using so, some rough math. Right. So they they're they're all about banning assault rifles and we can't have this and we can't have that and we're only talking about less than 300 
homicides. Yes, and that's for 2018, you said? It was for 2018. Okay. Out of 10,265 firearm-related homicides, we're talking about less than 300 actual rifle you know, kills, essentially. Okay. So, I mean, just right off the bat, and we already we all already know like knew this, but you know these these fucking these rifle bans are like they're ridiculous, man. I know they just play on the the ignorance and fears of people. Right. Um, in comparison, um, knives accounted for one thousand five hundred fifteen homicides per oh, wow. year. Blunt objects like hammers and clubs four hundred and sixty seven. So right off the bat, hammers have killed more people than rifles. Then so we should rifles of any kind. Right. Hunting rifles, quote assault rifles. Correct. Quote, so we definitely rifles. should be pushing a hammer ban and a club ban, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Um, personal weapons, hands, feet, fists, six hundred ninety six. More people were beat to death. Exactly. Than more. By I wrote that exactly, man. I wrote more people were beaten to death <laughs> than killed with a rifle, which is what we have to ban, or everyone's gonna die. Exactly. So it's just another one of those things. Exactly. Um, so going further, you mentioned suicide. So mm-hmm. firearm suicides account for 23,854 deaths. Okay. Okay. Um, so as we were saying, 60% of the fatalities involving firearms are actually suicides. And some people think we should count suicides, and some people think we shouldn't count suicides. What do you, what do you think? I think they should be counted because technically they are a death by a firearm, but right. the intention but, and motive is different than me wanting to kill you. Right. So counted it. in the stats overall, yes, but should we use should we throw that in there as a number to push gun control where we're saying, you know, this many people died a year from from um from guns. This many di- people died, this many people were killed, but then when you really look into it, 60% of those people took their own life, which you know, there is something to be said about that. There is. And I happen to think that the numbers should be included, but there should be a separate category. Because no matter what, they could lump all these deaths together right. and say, total amount of people killed by a gun. But then when you break it down, mm-hmm. okay, this many people killed by handguns, this many people killed by rifles, this many people killed by other weapons, this right. many people killed by suicide, by firearm. Right. Because I think suicide is a serious mental health issue in this country. And if we could address the underlying causes of why people do this, right. then possibly that number can be decreased. Right. Regardless of a gun, you know, if they drive their car into a tree, if they step, step in front of a train, right. you know? Um, yeah, it makes sense. And, and I think it... Not that it's not discounting that a firearm did aid in the death of of somebody via, you know, wanting to kill themselves. But I do think that there needs to be a distinction um, made from these politicians saying, look, um, you know, 40, let's use Biden's numbers because 40,000 is is actually pretty close to the number. He's saying 40,000 people are killed every year as a result of using a gun. you know, and then and then break it down, break right. it down. I mean, but it's, it's they're not going to do that no, because it won't fit their agenda, it. right? But uh, you know, I think what it does is it highlights something that that we all need to realize, and I think a lot of gun owners do realize um, that it's not necessarily about the guns; it's more so about the mental health issue. About you know, I mean, look, if sixty percent of the deaths are suicides, you know, is it is it really a gun problem at that point, or, or are we dealing with you something know, a mental health crisis? Right. Which I, which I think, you know, I think it's worth talking about. It's, he it's, has, he it's does more have fair to say than a gun violence epidemic right. versus a mental health crisis. Right. So it does get into one of those talking points between gun owners or you know gun advocate groups and you know anti gunners. Should should we be using that as the gun violence number? You know, so, um, so going further in comparison. Oh, yeah, let me go back. Um, 
accidental and unintended deaths of uh, with firearms, 486. So more people were killed accidentally by a firearm than were killed intentionally with any sort of rifle. Uh, yeah, more people were killed accidentally with, with a firearm. Any kind of firearm. Correct. Any any type of firearm. This, th- this is from the CDC, so they don't have it broken down into oh, which... Okay. Um, but yes, so accidental deaths with firearms. So negligence, you know, you're cleaning your gun, you shoot yourself, or you shoot shoot it through a wall, kill somebody. Right. Um, obviously a problem. Yes. However, um, in comparison to that, I, I saw this stat was actually pretty funny. Um you know funny you know whatever whatever it's worth to you interesting um, to look yeah at. <laughs> well it's just ironic you know <laughs> it's, it's funny it's just ironic yes you know? a- unintentional poisonings a year in the u.s unintentional poisonings. right drink some drano but you know a kid drinks some stuff yeah, from under right. the sink Sixty-four thousand seven hundred and ninety-five. so more people accidentally poison themselves, poison themselves by eating some shit they're not supposed to Tide eat pods right <laughs> I don't even know if that's accidental. <laughs> um, and this one, this is another one. This was great. Accidental falls, 36,338. Well, I just want to point out that gravity's a bitch. More, more people un, are unintentionally poisoned a year than are all the people killed with firearms. Mm. You know, so it's yeah. just like one of these weird things where it's like, well, yeah, 40,000 seems like a big number, but when you really break it down in comparison to everything else, it's really not that big of a number. And no. then when you break it down even further, rifles, which is what they're really going for, right. um, only accounts for less than 300. Correct. So uh, when I added everything up, um, including suicides, we're looking at 38,463 deaths a year, okay. which is pretty close pretty to, close pretty to, close to Biden's number. They just rounded up. Yeah, they rounded up. Um, so it was pretty close. And then without suicides, we're at 14,609-ish. So Yes. You know, it, that's just the first page. <laughs> first page. <laughs> you know, so that's that's just, you know, if you're looking at this or you're reading through it, that's like the first thing that I saw where I saw that 40,000 number. And I was like, well, let me let me dig into it a little bit because it, it's, it might not be as clear as just 40,000. Right, and they do they on the website on this is JoeBiden.com. This is straight from his own website. Just in case we didn't mention that earlier, yeah. um, he does make a distinction that says some of these deaths and injuries are a result of mass shootings that make national headlines. Others are the result of daily acts of gun violence or suicides that may not make national headlines, but are just as devastating to the families and communities left behind. So he does put a distinction there that some of it is from mass shootings, which they have to put out. And right. the, the way they, the way the government defines a mass shooting is a shooting incident involving any more than four people. Right. So if you're at a, a party and somebody does a drive-by at the house and they shoot it at gets more than four people, as, yeah. it's classified as a mass shooting. Right. So when they say there was 2,000, you know, bullshit, I'm just picking a number. Yeah. They say there's X amount of mass shootings a year. It's not like the tragic ones that happen in a school or, or you know... The ones that we really think mm-hmm. of as a mass shooting, right. they could be anywhere involving a party. They could be a, a dispute where there's a group of people. So um, just take that into account as well for your own knowledge. Yeah, with any stat, uh, from and this comes from either side because, you know, either side has an agenda. Yes. It's very important that you take what is what is said and you dig into it a little more. Because when, you know, like on the first page, you read, oh, uh, 40,000 people are killed every year. That's that. Like I said, that sounds like a lot of people. It sounds like a lot of people are getting gunned down in the street or. But when you dig into it, you, you can see that, you know, a large group of those people killed themselves. Yes. So uh, going on to um, the next bullet here. Um, 
he wants to hold gun manufacturers accountable. So this is this is one that gets thrown around a lot. Right. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you want to comment on it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's one of those things that is just, it's strange to me. You right. Know? So basically the law is called the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. It was signed in around 2005. And basically what it does is it's, it says that, look, this is a legal industry. This is a constitutionally protected industry at that. This is a defense industry for the defense of our country. People can't bring frivolous lawsuits against these manufacturers mm-hmm. in the interest of national security, mm-hmm. national defense, and because it's constitutionally protected. Right. Because what people do is they, they, they sue companies and tie them up for years in litigation just to it, it's called lawfare mm-hmm. you know when yeah. you when you sue somebody mm-hmm. or just to try to shut them down basically right so congress and and the then president uh george bush said you know hey we need to protect this industry because if people sue colt for example well they make our m16s our m4s we can't have that and honestly would you sue ford for for you wrecking a right. car for yeah. driving drunk exactly no. But what it doesn't protect is if a gun manufacturer knowingly puts a product out there that's, well, dangerous in, in a sense of, like, if there should be a recall on it, if it, you know, let's just say there's a manufacturing defect that they try to cover up and then it kills, you know, blows somebody up mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Any, any product that's put out there is subject to these restrictions and regulations. So that's, that's one thing they could be sued for. The other thing it could be sued for is if a gun store... Distributor knowingly sells firearms to prohibited persons, right. which that's illegal, first mm-hmm. off. Right. And number two, they could be you know, subject to uh, litigation, whether it's civil or, or criminal. Right. So those are the two things that, that is not protected under mm-hmm. this. People say, oh, well, they sold that mass shooter a gun. They should be held responsible. Well, was it a legal sale or an illegal sale? Right. If it was a legal sale, then technically they shouldn't be held responsible. Right, correct. So... People, these politicians want to try and repeal this so that way they could say, we don't like the guns that you're making or we don't like guns in general. We're going to put you out of business. Yeah. So that's a a lawfare workaround to their ultimate agenda of disarming the American populace. Right. And, you know, I kind of had the the same feelings about it. You know, when someone drinks and drives and and kills somebody, we don't go after the, you know, the liquor manufacturer or, you know, the, the, the people who, you know, brewed the beer. You know, we don't go after the car manufacturer because they got in the car and, you know, not for nothing, but there's, you could think up ways that, you know, car manufacturers can prevent people from getting in the car and, oh, yeah. and, and, and driving drunk. Mandate a breathalyzer. You Correct. Know, and in every single vehicle. Right. I mean, look at, you know, seatbelt laws. Yeah. We don't go after the car manufacturer because they didn't institute some sort of mechanism in the car that will not allow the car to drive unless all the seats are buckled. Right. So it's just one of those things, you know, a, a, an interesting one that kind of popped into my head was fertilizer companies, mm. right? We don't, we don't go after the fertilizer companies because, you know, people use fertilizer to make fucking bombs. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing, you know, why are we using, why are we trying to go after gun manufacturers? And right. they, they kind of wrote in, wrote in here that the law protects the manufacturers from the civil liability, like you were saying. And he, uh, Biden pointed out that this is a protection granted to no other industry. And it, you know, you just have to point out that no other industry is under attack like this, you know, no other, no other industry has people going after them and suing them just because they created a product. Exactly. So, you know, that's why, that's why that law was signed, you know? Right. And other products aren't constitutionally protected. That too. So that's, that's my big thing. Right. That's how they want to try and, you know, 
number one, stop the manufacture of guns in this country, stop your right from having them. Yeah, exactly. Because they'll shut down the manufacturers, then they'll shut down the shops, mm-hmm. and then they'll take they'll take yours. Right. Or try to, at least. Right. Not to sound tinfoil addy, but, you know, that's kind of the progression yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, people do worry about, about stuff like that, and I think it could be a valid concern. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on, we have uh, we have his next bullet point here, which is get weapons of war off our streets. Holy shit. <laughs> I didn't know. Weapons of fucking war. I didn't know there was full Holy auto M250 <laughs> cals on your block, John. Where- yeah, apparently there are, and they're all over. They are walking oh around God. the streets. People have them out. They're shooting people. I didn't, I didn't see them mounted in the back of the Toyota pickup outside. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, so this is, a, this is another... <laughs> Buzzword and man. note our, sar- our sarcasm right. on and that. And you know what's great about this is that the the headline is "Get weapons of war off of our street." And then when you kind of read into it, it's the ban of assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Yes. So basically, you know, people might say like, "Oh yeah, you know, it makes sense. Let's get these weapons of war, quote unquote, off of our street." And they don't realize, oh shit, it also means like high capacity magazines and you high know, capacity magazines. In my opinion, is an arbitrary definition. Oh, of course. What's I was about high to say, exactly. who, who decides? Basically, you know, they stuck at a number of 10, right. and then New York, in the SAFE Act, right. stuck at a number of 7. That's the... What? Well, you know, it's because New York just has to go one more step right. in the well, fucking they also radical know, direction. They also know that nobody makes a 7-round magazine for most firearms. Mm-hmm. It's usually 1, 3, 5, 10, 15, 20, and multiples yeah. of 5. And it's just another one of those things where... So, for those of you who don't already know, I'm sure most of you do, you were able to have a 10-round magazine. Yes. But you were only allowed to put 7 rounds in it. So... Who who is who's checking? Right. Uh, well, like, what police officers? What government agency? I need to know. What agency is going around finding people who are carrying firearms or whatever own firearms, going going to them and saying, "I need to check your magazine. I need I need to count the rounds in your magazine." And you know what? It's funny because that law, people only saying, "Oh, these laws only affect the law abiding." Well, it is actually true in, in this case because a criminal who uses a gun is going to have more than 7 rounds oh, in a magazine, course. right? Of course. So, they're going to get they're going to get charged with this law, but they're not going to care about the law. Mm-hmm. So, really the law-abiding citizens, well, I don't want to break this law. Let me load 7 in my 10-round magazine and then, you know, I'll be I'll be law-abiding, but the but the gangbangers aren't going to give a shit. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's another thing that it really comes down to. It's like and we've said it before that the law, like you said the law-abiding citizen um, th- that's the person that's affected by all these gun laws. Yes. You know, you could, if you go on like, you know, any, any, uh, police agency's website or Instagram or Facebook, and you kind of just scroll through and you see like the, the arrests they make, let's stick to New York. Yes. You look at, you know, New York city. All right. Go to the NYPD, um, Facebook page, Instagram page, and just scroll through, you know, the, the gun arrests they have every single well first of all you know all these things are illegal to begin with so that just kind of puts a you know unfortunately the, illegal you know they're they're illegal anyway and people have them so that's the first thing second thing is let's say they were legal but the uh, the magazine capacity wasn't you know was the issue every single one of these guns have over seven rounds every yeah. single one of these guns have over 10 rounds like it's a, they're putting as many bullets in the magazine that could fit in the magazine and that's it so it, Again, right. these these things only affect the law-abiding system, and that's a problem. And another thing that I always talk about, especially regarding these quote-unquote high-capacity magazines, is I've had people say to me, well, why do you need a 30-round mag? Well, it's not really, it's not a matter of need for me, you know? It's no, a ma- it's, it's a matter of want, you know? And it's I also always, a matter of rights. Well, yeah, but just going, well, going f- you know, further past right. that, you know, when it really boils down to it, 
yeah, it's a right. But, you know, why Why do you need versus want? It's, it's not that I need to have it, right? It's not that I need to have it. It's that I fucking want to have it. Right. And I'm, I have the right to want to have it. Right. You know, and I always say, like, why do you need, like, a $5 million home? Right. You don't need Well, that. you don't, but you want it and you can afford it. And God bless you that you can afford it. It's fucking great. And and so you buy it. If I, that's if, what it comes down to for me. You know? if, if I call 911 because something's happening, the cops are showing up with... Full, full capacity magazines. What the government would consider high capacity magazines, Correct. especially in the state of New York. Correct. Why do they have that ability? Correct. And I don't. And I agree with you. Hundred exactly. percent. It it doesn't make any sense. Right now, one thing which in this little paragraph that uh, they put, it says, um, <clears throat> it says here that. Um, the ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines that Biden, along with Senator Feinstein, secured in 1994 reduced the lethality of mass shootings. Like, it didn't reduce mass shootings. It just reduced the lethality of them. So, clever wordplay is uh, yeah. put into place here. And I want to know, where did they get that information from? Um, if you click the link here, it brings you to there's, there's a, a Newsweek s- article, which really? says Clinton-era assault <laughs> weapons ban did work, according to new research. And this article was... Um, I'm just seeing here was published uh, 9 2019 I'm not going to sit here and read you the whole article, right. but there's debates back and forth as to whether it did anything or not, this 10-year yeah. ban. But even here, it says reduce the lethality of mass shootings. It didn't reduce the amount, but who's to say what, what reducing lethality is? Yeah. You know, you're still using a gun. Yeah. A gun is still being used in the commission of a crime right. in, a, in a very dramatic way. Right. So, for example, the Virginia Tech shooter used two handguns. Yeah. How how is this how has right. it gone right. any less lethal because it has less ammunition? In it? Yeah, it's not. No, it's not. And, and that's clever wordplay on their part to make you think, oh, it reduced mass shootings. Oh, no, it, it reduced the lethality of mass shootings. Right. Yeah. It's just one of those things that I mean, <laughs> I almost feel like why do they even go into the clever wordplay? Because I think most of the people who are going to support Biden um, aren't necessarily looking at his gun control policy as something that's going to change their vote. Right. Um, so, but you know, that's that's for another story. Right. Um, let's see. They uh, they also talk about a buyback program. Um, yeah. Well, before you before you get into that, there's one other thing in that paragraph sure. that I want to just point out. This is the straight from the Democrat left yeah. playbook okay. where yep. it says federal law prevents hunters from hunting migratory game birds mm-hmm. with more than three mm-hmm. shells in their shotgun. Yeah, that. that means our federal law does more to protect ducks than children. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to kill children. I mean. <laughs> Did anybody? <laughs> did I miss something? You know what? You're right. And I, I and I read did I that. Did I fucking like, yeah. miss something? Here? <laughs> this is this is the biggest. This this right here oh sums up their whole God. argument, where they think that you are so fucking stupid that they will say, "Well, we our ducks have more protection than our children in this com- in this country." The fuck? That's another thing, man. You're right. Like who? So okay, so you could have three rounds in 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 the to in hunt the gun, ducks, but, but who's checking that? You know, oh. and then but it just goes back to like one of those things. And then you're right. I mean, look, it's already illegal to, to kill to kill children. So, um, and then the next yeah. sentence says it's wrong, and I'm like, yeah, no shit, it's wrong to kill children. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I didn't know I needed that from my fucking politicians oh to tell me that God. it's wrong to kill children. Well, they need to tell you. Yeah, so that I read that, and I'm like these these people. Yeah, I know. So we protect our game birds more than we protect our children. Okay, if that's the way you want to think about it, then your whole argument for gun control is completely invalid. It's absolutely ridiculous, and you make a you make a great point. So 
I just um, had to say this. Yeah, no, and it's funny, and it makes sense. You know, and I think a lot of people reading that might not really think of it that way, but it's true. When you really think, you know, what they're saying, it, 100%. Right. You know, 100%. And then further in that paragraph, it says... Um, the ban on assault weapons will be designed to prevent manufacturers from circumventing the law by making minor changes that don't limit the le- the weapon's lethality. While working to pass this legislation, Biden will also use his executive authority mm-hmm. to ban the importation of, quote, assault weapons. Mm-hmm. There was already an import ban in 89 yeah. under George Bush Sr. Yeah. And then there was another one right. in 1994. So, mm-hmm. And then also when it says circumventing the law by making minor changes that don't limit the weapon's lethality, they only want to make cosmetic changes to weapons yep. so that won't be so that way it won't be an assault weapon. Right. The weapon's lethality is still the same. It's a fucking gun. Yep. It is, it could still fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. So these people yep. want to say, well, we're going to not allow you to make minor changes like removing a pistol grip. Okay, then you just want to ban the gun. That's what it, that's what it yep. boils down to. Right. And this goes back to our interview with Stevie the other day where I showed him, you know, I showed him two pictures. I showed him a Mini 14 with a synthetic stock with a pistol grip, you know, flash hider, rails you know all all the tactical shit right and i showed him i'm like stevie like look at this gun okay no problem then i showed him a same gun mini 14 with you know the factory wooden stock and i asked him you know steve which one is is the more dangerous gun and he said the the tactical one right so this just goes back into that perception that because something has a pistol grip has rails looks bad you know looks mm-hmm. badass basically that it's a more dangerous firearm and, and he was so sure that the one he picked was the more dangerous firearm that when i told him that they're the same exact gun he was shook right yeah he was shook so it was a bit, it was, it's yeah. he and you know after the interview he was like i i couldn't believe that that's the same gun like that was i think that was the thing that really spoke to him the most in regard to like these bullshit gun laws yeah you know it's they're not protecting anybody and they call them assault weapons and they call them weapons of war and we're gonna do we're gonna do a talk about weapons of war that's actual gonna, right, weapons of war actual weapons of war so we won't touch on the actual weapons of war that much but you know it's just one of those things man exactly and, and like you said he he talks about executive order executive order always bothers me because i feel like it's it's a president acting in a really like dictatorial way. It is necessary for certain things yeah. because But when you're going to say I'm going to limit your rights. Right. That's not through what executive, an executive order, order that's, is. That's I mean that's fucked up, man. It is. You know, and it's scary and it's and it's scary for a lot of gun owners and I think that it really plays into Biden's like liberal agenda. Yes. You know, off people, the rails liberal agenda. Yeah, I not mean, liberal the left agenda really, in the classic liberal sense. Right. The the left wants Biden to use executive order to to push gun control, and I think it's a really dangerous ground, man. Yes, for for a president to just sit down and say, "I'm going to bypass all legislative process and sign a piece of paper to limit your rights." Yep, Kamala Harris said within the first hundred days, if she was elected president, she would enact gun control via executive order. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. It is, you know, and the left is just pushing the right further and further and further away because right. they're going further and further and further left. Politics should be about getting people closer together. Look, if you're on the Republican side, you need to have discussions with people on the left and vice versa. Right. That's the only way you're going to get people to come to your side. Exactly. You're going to get those middle of the road people. Okay, you know what? I I support Biden on some of these things. You know what? I think, you know what? I've had enough of Trump. I'm going to vote for Biden, you know, this election or, or the other way around. You know, like, you know, I, you know, I, I voted for um, Hillary last election and, 
you know, seeing Trump, you know, ran the country this way, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for Trump. So like that, that's, that's what we really have to do. Just bring people closer to the Correct. Middle. And I feel like, it, you know, right now, man, we're, we're, we're going and oh my it's God. like, who could be the more polar opposite? Exactly. So it's just one of those things. It's just, it kills me. Yeah. Um, they talk about a, a buyback program. They want to, they want you to sell your assault weapons back to the government as well as your high capacity magazines or register. Them. Well, the funny thing is the last time, um, Last time the government, you know, did a background check on itself, it failed. So I don't think they're responsible enough to have my firearms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and honestly, a buyback it was never theirs to begin with. Yeah, right. So, right. Um, and they don't go into whether this is going to be. A, it's not going to be a mandatory buyback because it's going to be a buyback or registration. Because a, a mandatory, they can say mandatory buyback all they want. It's fucking mandatory. It's a fucking confiscation. And this is how they're going to regulate. The ownership of firearms. They're going right. to say, if you own these guns, you have to either register them or turn them in. And yeah. if you don't, you're now a criminal. Right. Oh, and that's going to... Yeah. All right. Well, one thing which it says at the end of that is sell the weapons to the government or register them under the National Firearms Act. Right. Right. So now, the National Firearms Act regulates um, things like machine guns, silencers, short-barreled rifles, mm-hmm. and to go under uh, a federal background check and pay a $200 tax mm-hmm. on each item that you transfer to yourself. It's a yeah. transfer tax. I think in... Um, one of our upcoming episodes or the uh, one of the episodes we just aired, I talked a lot about machine guns. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, basically what they want to do is um, regulate, quote, assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. But it is if I register an AR-15 in the state of New York, if this if Biden gets in and he passes this by some fucking miracle, right? Yeah. If I have an AR-15 in New York... Mm-hmm. New York doesn't allow NFA weapons mm-hmm. for civilians. Yeah. They don't allow okay. machine guns. They don't right. allow short barrel rifles. They, so will I then be able to register an AR-15 federally as a, quote, assault rifle mm-hmm. under the National Firearms Act? Mm-hmm. And if you have to pay a tax on something like that, will it be different than a machine gun? If I register it under the National Firearms Act, what would I register as? A, quote, assault weapon? Well, yeah. federally speaking, mm-hmm. under the National Firearms Act, an assault rifle is a select fire you know, a fully automatic firearm. Right. So then, will I be able to convert my AR-15 in New York to an M16? That's a great point. What you make about um, New York State using the right. NFA? You know, you know, you're not allowed to have NFA items. Right. That's uh, are they going to have yeah, to make a, a new point. classification so, no, under the I, NFA? I, I fully believe that New York State will be well. Well, they'll say well. You know, federally now, that's what it is. So you can't own it here. Right. He, they said he's going to pursue legislation to regulate possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act, mm-hmm. which. Like I said, you know what? If they want to make me register my AR-15 under the National Firearms Act, pay a $200 tax and undergo a six to eight month background check, they would have to then make New York State comply to federal law requirements. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? Hey, if you're going to make me register and pay this tax, is it going to be classified as a machine gun? Fuck it. I'll convert it to an M16. You just played yourself, sucker. Yeah, I doubt doubt that they'll just, you know, let you. No, but this is is the thinking that they don't think of. They just think it's... Well, it's it's the most regulated way to own a gun in America, yeah, so right. we're going to go that route. Yeah. Eh. Well, another thing, I mean, this is just words on a piece of paper. Exactly. N- none of this has been thought out. Someone sat down in a Word document and they wrote, hmm, let's see, what are the good like buzzwords? And, you know, we, we did a focus group and we talked about X, Y, and Z things. Uh, weapons of war, weapons of war. So let's right. just write like a nice little paragraph about weapons of war. There's no, I highly doubt that there's legislation already written by the government, uh, by the Biden campaign detailing exactly how each of these things work have All, you, you know so have you ever seen these buyback programs by the way in places like california new york they turn in like these janky old shit guns 
I mean, rarely do they get anything of substance. It's an actual weapon of war. I remember there was a story in Connecticut where an old lady turned in her husband's bring back a Sturmgewehr. Yeah, I saw that. That was an actual weapon of war. It was. So maybe Biden saw that and been like, well, they're turning in, Mm -hmm. you know, MP44s. Right. (laughs) It's just like, it's ridiculous, man. And I know. You know, it's unfortunate. I mean, like you said, some of these really, like, older historic weapons show up and then they just get fucking melted down i know they get chopped up melted down destroyed and it's like damn man i know you know and and that's the way the government sees these guns man they don't see any historic value no they don't you know they all they see is this is something that we have to grind up and destroy yep just like our rights Yeah, yeah and it's sad um reducing the stockpile this is the uh one gun a month rule (laughs) <laughs> A.K.A. the biggest crock of shit I've ever seen it's, in my it's, life. It doesn't make any sense. Now, the one gun a month rule, the, the only way to enforce that is to have a registry. Because yeah. in some states, there's allowed to be private sales where you yep. as an individual can sell a gun to another individual that mm-hmm. you don't believe to be mm-hmm. a criminal or a prohibited possessor. The government doesn't need to know what you do with your property. Yeah. So the only way to enforce this one gun a month bullshit is to have a national registry to where you could track the movement of every firearm in America. Yep. Which... Good luck telling all the criminals that. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to work at all. And honestly, why should the government limit my rights to how many guns I can have to a quote stockpile? Yeah. If I'm a criminal, how many guns can I fucking use at one time? How many hands right. do I have? Two. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I mean, this is really looking to to stop people who just like want to have a lot of firearms. This is to stop people from being able to purchase and possess firearms. Right. That's simply what it is. Yeah. Let's just say a collector in firearms like myself, you know, if I'm limited to one gun a month, well, first off, that's unconstitutional in my yeah. opinion. Oh, yeah. And secondly, what, you know, I'm a collector. You yeah. Know? How do you buy, trade, you know, collect? What happens if, you know, you want to trade one gun, you know, the, the, the price that, you know, you there's two guns that someone, right. or there's a gun that somebody has and you want to work at a deal. You know, you're not going to work at a deal for money. The payment is going to be another Trade, firearm right. or two firearms or three firearms. So what? Now you can't barter? Right. Exactly. You know, three firearms of lesser value to you for one firearm from another person. And, right. and that's where the, it's, I mean, that's another thing, you know. It just doesn't make, yep. it's just one of those things where it, they don't think like. It's only going to push keep, people right, underground. And right. it's only oh, yeah. going to increase the, I don't even want to say criminal in this sense. Because you're going to get people, hey, John, like, I know we can only buy one gun a month, but like. You want to trade it, you know, you want to trade a gun or I'll sell you these two. It's only going to create an underground. Yeah. When people don't want to go through the government for things that they don't see as worthwhile or legal, they're going to do it themselves amongst the people. Now, I'm curious how this affects the uh, that CNR. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, um, you can have a Curo and Relics license. Mm-hmm. It's an FFL03. Technically, it is a form of federal firearms license. In New York, I actually applied for it. I, I've I've gone through this story with John many times because I was telling him about the process. I applied, and for people who don't know what a CNR license is, basically it allows you to collect curio and relic firearms that are over 50 years old. It allows you a lot of leeway in the sense of, let's just say you want to order a gun from an out-of-state dealer, right? You have a federal firearms license logbook that you have to log every gun in and out. It's not for selling. It's not for being in the business of. It's just for collecting. You could have that gun shipped straight to your door with no background check. But the caveat is the federal government could come at any time and audit your books and they could come and inspect your you know, your your firearms. 
generally speaking, some people say you just have to bring the book to an ATF office and they just make sure, okay, this gun's here, this gun's here, this gun's logged out. Yeah, but in, in theory, but they can They come can come to where? your house. Theory, In theory, yes. I applied for that license knowing full well that the ATF could come to my house, which, you know, I'm fine. I got nothing to hide. And um, I got a call from the ATF headquarters in Manhattan. She said, hey, your application looks good. We're going to approve it. But just to let you know, in the state of New York, it's basically a cocktail napkin. I'm like, why do you say that? The woman, very nice, said, well, New York State doesn't have an exemption in their laws for an FFL-03 to, um, to basically receive firearms without a background check. In the state of New York, every firearms transaction must go through a background check. An FFL-03 is not a dealer in firearms, so they cannot, you cannot perform a background check on yourself, number one, and you can't, it, there's no provision for a background check to be placed upon you. If you read around on the internet, people are like, well, I've had my FFL-03 for 15 years and it's never been a problem. People ship. That's fine. You could do that. I was told by, the, by a supervisor at the ATF in Manhattan that said, you will be violating New York state law if you receive a firearm straight to your door with no background check. But federally, you will be okay. That's nothing illegal federally about it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to risk that. I mean, it's not a risk I would want to no. take. No, and people do it, and you can still have the FFL-03 because mm-hmm. you could go mm-hmm. out of state and purchase firearms. Like, if I were to go to a show in Pennsylvania, let's just say, yeah, I could present that FFL-03, and they would just give it to me because I have this FFL-03, but right. I don't go out of state that much. I don't, you know, go to that many gun. I don't go to gun shows out of state, really, just time and, you know, work and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I could still have it, but just for people who are out there, just know that it was told directly to me by one of the supervisors at the ATF headquarters in Manhattan. Yeah, and I'm curious if anyone has has actually been prosecuted um, no. for having the CNR and not doing the background check no, at the I, New York State level. I really don't think so of, because if you're going through all those hoops, it's paperwork. You know, they run a background check on you. And honestly, for the for for the type of firearms that you're collecting, mm-hmm. a CNR and over 50 year old gun, I don't think they're very concerned about it. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. All right. Cool. Let's see. The next section they uh, talk about is universal background checks, closing loopholes. So, Taylor, let's talk about uh, universal background checks versus versus regular background checks. Right. So basically, univer- like a normal background check is you go to a dealer and you buy a gun and you fill out your form 4473. Next check. They process it. You get the proceed. You leave with your gun. Now, what they, what they want to close is the fact that certain states allow you as a private individual to buy a firearm from another private individual who's not a dealer, who doesn't hold an FFL, without a background check. But still remember that it is still illegal for you to buy a gun if you're a prohibited possessor, felon, criminal, whatever. It's illegal for you to possess a gun if you're a prohibited person, criminal, felon, whatever. The seller knowingly has to believe that you are not a prohibited possessor. Normally, they have to be residents of the same state. You know, Generally, what a lot of people do is they, they meet up, whatever. They say, hey, I just want to see your driver's license, make sure you're a resident of the same state. Usually, they jot down the information. I've seen people sign bill of sales where they say, you know, John Smith is buying this firearm from Joe Smith, no relation, and that this person is not a prohibited possessor, sign and date. So that way, if that person goes and uses the, the gun in the commission of a crime, this person, when it gets traced back to them, they say, hey, I sold to this guy, this address here. He said he wasn't prohibited. You know, they want to close that loophole, alleged loophole. It's not a loophole if it's totally legal to do. Right. So I believe that you shouldn't have to go through the government just to get permission to buy a gun from somebody. 
if it's if it's against the law, it's against the law. You right. shouldn't be doing it anyway. But right. we all know that laws don't stop criminals. Right. Um, how do you feel about um, all these loopholes? So they 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 talk about a couple different loopholes here. Um, at one point, they talk about the boyfriend loophole, which they don't actually address. I don't believe um, in this section. They might address it later because they talk about domestic violence, and that's kind of what it. They do talk about it a little bit, and we can go over what the boyfriend loophole. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the boyfriend loophole? I've heard of the boyfriend loophole, where basically, like, uh, it has to do with like abusive boyfriends. Right. They don't want abusive like domestic abusers. Yeah, they don't want men who have abused women to have access to firearms. Right. Like, they so, consider that a loophole. Well, they basically it's considered it's technically a straw purchase. Guy who's yeah. a domestic abuser mm-hmm. gets his yeah, girlfriend to buy a right. gun. Which is allegedly for herself, which she fills out the background check for, but re- in reality, it's for her boyfriend, who's a prohibited possessor, who cannot right. own a firearm because mm-hmm. he's a domestic abuser. So that's what they call the boyfriend-girlfriend loophole. Yeah. You know, it, right. Really, when you fill out that background check, mm-hmm. are you buying this gun yeah. for yourself? Right. Yes. Now, it's not illegal to give somebody a gun. If mm-hmm. I buy the gun, let's just say I want to give my, my son, who's not born yet, but let's just say when he grows up, I want to give him a gun, right? Right. I could go to the the gun store, fill out a forty four seventy three, and it says, "Are you the actual purchaser of this gun?" Technically, yes, I am, yeah. and it's not illegal for me after that to give the to give the firearm to my son. Right, that's how it works. Because people right. ask at the gun store all the time, "Well, I'm buying it for um, buying it as a gift for my son." They're just like, "Well, are you purchasing the gun today for yourself?" Yes, okay, then that's how you fill it out. Yeah, um, and touching on New York State Safe Act. Um, you actually were kind of interested in, in you read a, a provision in the article about transferring a gun to a family member. Right. So in New York State, you're allowed to tran- to I say transfer, but um, give a firearm yeah. to Tran- an immediate transfer right. by the definition of the law. Right. Transfer. So let's just say, uh, it, well, in New York, you could transfer a firearm amongst immediate family members. It's parent, child, step parent, stepchild, grandparent grandchild and then husband and wife it doesn't make any uh it doesn't say brother or sister it doesn't say stepbrother stepsister it doesn't say cousin it's immediate family Mm -hmm. parents grandparents um step parents to Mm -hmm. to their children basically um without a background check right that's in new york state yeah so (laughs) i mean if you want to give your cousin a firearm to go hunting with in a roundabout way you got to give it to your parent then then your parents got to give it to if your grandparents still alive to 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 their parents and that that parents got to give it to the other sibling and then from the sibling it goes to your cousin yeah but that's to give it for forever no no because, even technically because... a transfer if i were to give you a gun to go hunting with mm-hmm. technically i'm transferring that firearm to you I so mean, by the way you're like well how does that work then if you go to the range exactly if i hand you a gun that's you know that's a transfer and, right because transfer all has to do with possession yes it says like if you possess it and right so i don't think like words like that i don't and... think in that case they're going to really nitpick no, that think, point but no, for example so if you want to go hunting with your buddy and you want to give your gun like, let's just say your buddy doesn't have a gun. You want to give him a gun to keep with him on the hunting trip, right. even though you two are going to be together. Yep. Technically, you're transferring a firearm right. to right. him. Mm-hmm. So by the letter of this law, you would have to undergo a background check before you go hunting. And then a background check would have to be done to give the gun back to you. Yeah. And background checks aren't cheap, especially on Long Island. Right. You know, but that's the way they want to do it. Right. So this, this also talks a little bit about... Um, <clears throat> Um, background checks for all gun sales, and they, they kind of throw out a, a stat here that says, uh, today an estimated of one in five firearms are sold or transferred without a background check. Uh, 
I mean, how are they determining that? If if these firearms aren't registered, if these firearms aren't being you know reported as purchased, sold, transferred, then how are they getting this this statistic? I think the only you know, I think the five, only way they, they can that do that is if the gun was used in the commission of a crime and they transferred it back to its last lawful owner, oh and then that person said, "I know how much That's, how much work does oh that my take?" God, no, I think that this is a this is made up. Really, Dude, I, I I think that this is this is a, one of those things. Where, one in five, one in five. Think about how many firearms that is. That's a lot of firearms, dude. Like I, I, so I just feel like hundred million. Guns is is there country. a link for that for that statistic? It's um, just written there, right? There's no link uh, for one it. in five. It's it, there is technically a link here. Let me see here. It says uh, the annals of internal medicine, firearm acquisition without background checks. Results of a national survey. In 1994, 40% of U.S. gun owners who had recently acquired a firearm did not do so without a background check. No contemporary estimates exist. So, so because of a national survey. Well, in 1994, but remember, that's mm-hmm. when they enacted the, the Brady uh, crime bill or mm-hmm. the that set up the national instant background yeah. checks. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about something that's from 1994. Yeah. This is in Dude, no I'm way. I'm telling you, this is one of those. This is one of those things that really. This is in no it, way this, current. This, this, this statistic one in five. I don't think holds any actual weight. Right. You know, um, in other states, you can transfer a gun in private sale. Yes. You know, and I guess I mean they could be quoting that. You know, they could be looking at that as I mean technically it is transfer without a background check potentially, but to I mean it's it's used in such like a. It just feels the way they the way they say it. It just feels so illegal, you know. And I don't know, man. Just one in five firearms. I'm are sold scrolling and down. Like, oh, come on. I'm yeah. scrolling down on this website, and it says there was a survey conducted in April 2015. Was designed to examine patterns of civilian gun ownership storage and use. It determined that gun ownership status. It determined gun ownership status and whether the gun owner's most recently acquired firearm was obtained with a background check, but did not ask about the timing of the most recent acquisition to determine when relative. The original survey respondents acquired their most recent firearm. So basically in 2015, they asked a bunch of people, said, hey, when did you last get your gun and was it done by a background check? Right. That's only a small sampling mm-hmm. of the population. And that could have been in 1976 when they got yeah. their last gun. Yeah. It's and not. The, right. I also want to point out that they're not talking about re- like receiving firearms from dealerships. Right. They're talking about overall. So. If you buy your gun at a dealership, you're getting a background check. Right. And also, there was a point in time where there wasn't a background check on firearm sales from a dealer. Mm. That was only instituted in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. So, theoretically, you could have bought a gun in the 80s, yeah. and there would have been no background check. Yeah. And so, that would be subject to that, right. that poll. And that this survey, I mean, how many? I want to know how many people... I think it lists that, but you got to read it for yourself. If you go on the, I'm not plugging Joe Biden's website, but if you go on that piece of shit's website, it'll, it'll, it'll show you that. So going back to the loopholes, um, they want to close something called the hate crime loophole. What is that? (sighs) Biden will enact legislation prohibiting an individual who has been convicted of a misdemeanor hate crime or received an enhanced sentence for a misdemeanor um, because of a hate uh, because of hate or bias in its commission from purchasing or possessing a firearm. So basically, if you're convicted of a hate crime, they they want you to be on the list for not being allowed to uh, to own a firearm. But it's a misdemeanor. Correct. It's a misdemeanor. So it's going to change. You know, it's going to change. They're going to. I guess what he wants to do is add legislation saying if it's a hate crime misdemeanor or if you had an enhanced sentence in regard to that, then you're going to be on the list for not being able to allow 
allowed to buy a firearm. My biggest thing, there's two things that I see wrong with that. Number one, it's a misdemeanor. Yeah. Felons are prohibited from from owning and possessing firearms. Right. Which to some degree, even if a felon goes to jail, I know this might be an unpopular opinion. Yeah. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. If a felon goes to jail for 30 years, serves yeah. his time, mm -hmm. technically pays his debt. Correct. Should he be allowed to Correct. buy a firearm? And, I mean, I've had this conversation think, yeah. with people and I think it, it also matters what your offense was, right? Yeah. If you used a firearm in the commission of the felony, they might want to consider not letting you. But if have you were, if you firearm. went to jail for thirty years and you technically paid your debt, you should be out of prison with a record. But you know, right? And then it kind of gets into okay, like if you murdered somebody, if like you went and you shot somebody with a firearm, should you be allowed to then own a firearm? And and then I know I know what you're gonna say. I know, I know they make say, a blanket statement, no, just so that way they cover all their bases. Right. And I get that, but I think. You know, people want to talk about criminal justice reform in this country. Right. Well, mm -hmm. what about people's rights, getting their rights back yeah. after they've yep. done their time? Yep. I've always said that if, if you really look at going to prison, going to jail, that's all about paying your debt to society, as you said. I've had this conversation with people before. They don't agree with me. Um, it, it also has to go into voting rights, too. Right. Why, why can't a felon not vote? I know. You know. So you, I mean, and I, I do understand a lot of people are going to, yeah. are not going to agree. Right. Okay. So I can understand you being in prison, not being allowed to vote right. because you're a felon. Once you've done your time, you've paid your debts to society. Your your rights are supposed to restore. You could after go to a court out. and petition to right. get your rights restored, but you know that's a lengthy process. Money, you know. Um, yeah, but my, and then the second thing I have here is hate crime. Right. You know what is considered a hate crime? Obviously, there is a well, legal it's definition. Any, it's any right, exactly. There's but a legal definition with the way the country's going now with. You know, it's almost like anything could be a anything hate crime. could be a hate crime, right? You yeah. know, anything could be construed as a hate crime mm -hmm. if it's done against somebody who is not the same skin color as yeah. you, who is not the same religion as you. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if if a, if it, let's just say an African American were to shoot a white person, is that a hate crime? Or if a white person were to shoot an African American, is that a hate crime? Yeah, you I know, mean, I think, and and this goes back into the definitions of certain things. No, it's not going to be a hate crime unless the nexus of that crime was because the person was a different race, mm -hmm. you know, gender, all that stuff. It's easier, I, in my opinion, to convict on a misdemeanor than on a felony. Of course. So if you have a hate crime endorsement on a misdemeanor mm -hmm. by this law, then you will not be allowed to own a firearm. Yeah, and it is a lot easier. Right. Um, DAs often will drop you know horrible horrible crimes down to, down to misdemeanors or lesser offenses just so they know they don't have to work to get the conviction and, right. and stuff like that so you know like like you're saying it does open up a lot more people who will be subject to not being able to buy a, buy a firearm excuse me um but it does it does you know it does go into should we not let people who who are doing these hate crimes from possessing firearms i don't know you know, I'm not going to be the one to determine that. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think if, if someone commits a hate crime that we shouldn't let them own a firearm? You know? I mean, it's 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 not as easy as saying yes or no. You know? I know. I know. And it gets into, like I said, what is construed as a hate crime. Obviously, right. if a person goes to a synagogue and shoots up a synagogue and says, you know, horrible things about Jewish people, yeah. then yeah. You know, that person's going to go to jail probably for a very long time yeah. or get the death sentence. But that's even different because that's, that's a felony. Someone's, but that not only is it a felony, but someone's shooting people. Right. A hate crime could literally be you walk up to somebody and punch them in the face because they're Jewish. Right. So does that mean now, I mean, plenty of other people punch 
plenty of people in the face. They're not felons. They right. can own firearms. It's like it kind of bumps it up a little bit exactly. for, for people because it's a hate crime. And I think it's a clever way to to prevent more people from owning firearms. You're like, well, if it's a hate crime, that makes it so much worse. And right. don't get me wrong. It does make it worse. But it's still a misdemeanor. Yes. Like, I don't think anybody should be getting... I don't think anyone should be hitting anybody. Isn't, you know? isn't like, like getting caught with some pot a misdemeanor, too? It is, but it's not a hate crime. Right, exactly. So a misdemeanor is still a misdemeanor. Yeah. So by the yeah. eyes of the law, it's on the same right. level. Well, it depends. Like now in in, well, New York, yeah. in in New York City, it's a little different. Um, in New York, it's a little different. Right. I know in the city, they just recently dropped down possession charges to like a violation, so it's even okay. lower it's like than a, a misdemeanor. Or something. It is a ticket. Okay. Yeah, and and you know you you get your weed taken. But and, what I'm getting at is they want to take away your civil rights over right. a misdemeanor. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it either. No. Um, they go into the Charleston loophole. Have you heard of this one? Yes, I have heard of this one. And this yep. is actually one thing that I I do kind of agree with to some degree. Okay. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front about it. Sure. Um I do agree that okay, so basically for, for what people if people don't know the Charleston loophole, yeah. it was that guy, that young kid, I'm not gonna say his name, who who committed the uh, crime in the black church in Charleston, South Carolina, went and shot up the church, mm-hmm. right? Very obvious racist, very obvious person of hate. Right. Right. But he went to go buy a gun, and the background check was delayed. Yep. Federal law states after three days, you, if the government can't meet its burden of proof to mm-hmm. deny you a gun, mm-hmm. then the seller could release the gun to you. Could. Could. May. They May. do not have to. I've seen people right. say, and I've seen people say online recently, oh, well, the gun, if you don't. Um, if you don't pass that, or if you, if they don't provide an answer within three days, the gun shop is obligated no. to to give you that firearm. No, they are no. not obligated at, at all. The gun shop can still deny the sale of that firearm. Exactly. Okay? So I don't, you know, people saying like, oh, uh, they're obligated, which means that you know all you have to do is be hung up for three days, and all of a sudden, no, that's not the no. way it works. Okay, you can't be pushing something and not know the facts exactly. about what's going on. Okay, so if you want to push this gun control measure, good for you. But don't misconstrue what's actually going on to push your agenda. That's right. not what's going on. Right. The gun shop is not obligated to sell you that firearm. Right. And I think, honestly, um, if there is a delay of some kind, I think that, and like I said, this is one thing I kind of agree with, which I will give it credit. I'm not, you know, some sort of hate, you know, hate all things from this one side of the argument. I'm really not. Yeah. But it says here, uh, the Charleston loophole allows people to complete a firearms purchase if their background check is not completed with within three business days. Biden supports this proposal in the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2019, which extends the timeline from three to 10 business days. Biden will also direct the Federal Bureau of Investigations to put on his desk within the first 100 days as president a report detailing cases in which background checks are not completed within 10 business days and steps the federal government can take to reduce or eliminate the occurrence. Basically, that's cutting down the bureaucracy, the red tape, basically saying, okay, why are these background checks taking so long? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that people are getting background checks done efficiently and that they are accurate and complete in order to make sure that people who shouldn't have firearms don't get them. Yeah. I think that if your background check is delayed for more than three days, the government has to tell you why. They can't just leave you in the dark. And Mm -hmm. honestly, if... Mm -hmm. Let's just say it does take 10 days, and then there's still no answer. Should they get the gun then? Right. The government has to tell you, I believe, within those three days, hey, reaching out here, uh, we're we're insanely backed up. This election caused massive background check delays, mm-hmm. and you have a similar name to somebody. 
we're just investigating, you know, who, who might be a criminal. We're just right. investigating this. Give us a little more time. Right. Be transparent about right. it. Have someone, okay, you're you're standing in the gun store, then you, you do your background check. It's taking a lot of time, and then it comes back, oh, you're delayed. Well, have somebody from the from the FBI who's doing, right. who's doing whatever they're doing give you call, call you and say, look, here's what's going on. Um, we might I'll, need some I'll additional information. Right, we need additional information. Can right. you can you provide it? Um, you know, we'll call the give your number, give your information to the FFL, mm-hmm. and we will call the FFL once you're approved. Whatever it is. And honestly, if that background check is then denied, yeah, they have your information. They know where to come find you and arrest you for trying to buy a firearm as a prohibited possessor. Mm-hmm. Which is but one thing you don't know if you're is that illegal? To if, I don't think because they talk about this here. If you, they want to track the people who attempt to buy it as an illegal possession. It is illegal if you falsify information on a forty-four seventy-three. Falsify, right? Okay, but we're if not talking about. If you don't know you are a prohibited possessor, let's say but, you don't fa- falsifying the information on the forty-four seventy-three and trying to buy a gun by putting all the proper information on there and you getting denied are two different things. Right. So yeah, we know that if you putting the false information on there is a if crime. you are somebody who doesn't like. I see what you're saying. Let's just say you fill out the form. You right. don't know that you're prohibited, but then something right. comes back and says that you're prohibited. Right. You're going to get a visit from somebody, most likely, and they're going to try and say, all right. They're, they, As of right now, I don't believe so because Biden's gun control measures institute that exact thing. So they're going to pass you. You're going to get the gun, and then nothing's going to happen? No, no, no. What they're going to do is if you attempt to buy the gun right. and you're denied for whatever reason— they want to send someone to your house to reach out to you to pretty much find out why you tried to buy that firearm. And if you're innocent, you know, hey, what what's it hurt? A visit? I mean, people knock on your door all the time for other things. If you if they say, oh, uh, John, mm-hmm. you tried to buy this firearm on the 14th. Uh, the background check's been delayed, and we found that— No, not delayed. Denied. All right, denied. We found that it was denied due to past criminal history that mm-hmm. you did not disclose on the background check. Right. Um, technically, if you didn't disclose this on the mm-hmm. background check, mm-hmm. then you committed a crime. Yeah, I, su- I suppose so. Right. So they're not going to come after you just because you're bad. Like, they don't deny background checks for no reason. Oh, yeah, I know. And honestly, if you try to buy, if you don't think you can own a gun or if you know you can't own a gun and, yeah. you, and you tried to buy one with a background check, mm-hmm. you're, you're breaking the law anyway. Yeah. But like I said, this is one thing that I do really kind of jive with. Um, basically saying that, hey... We need to make sure that who's ever buying a gun via background check should have it. Yeah. If it can't be met within three days, then extend it to 10. But there has to be a reason. Just like like due process. Mm-hmm. They can't deny mm-hmm. you your rights without without some sort of reason. Right. You know? And then now if it goes past the 10 days, back to the beginning of back this Back to the thing? beginning? Yeah. And then what happens? If then right. that person goes out and commits a crime with that gun, well, 10 days wasn't long yeah, enough. Now we have to that's my days. only yeah. problem with you this. You give an inch, they're going to take a mile. Right. So that's my only problem with this. I will say, though, that it, this is something that I do agree with, but there has to be stipulations on it. Yeah. There has to be a reason. There has to be contact. Mm-hmm. There has to be an investigation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's your rights. And then, you know, just to put one last point on it, uh, it's kind of like how many of these background checks that were delayed by three days would actually have been covered within the, the full 10. You know, that's another thing I'd, I'd like to know because if you have a delay on the, the three day delay, but it would have actually taken 15 days, then I'm sorry, but this measure just doesn't even, doesn't right. even apply. Right. So that's and honestly, if something takes know. 15 days, you need, there, there's some sort of law involved there. Like it's gotta be, there's some gotta sort be. of thing that's going on that you're going to get contacted about. 
Hopefully, there's a yeah. mix up. I knew somebody who, like I said, um, I, I knew somebody who had to have a personal identification number assigned to him, mm-hmm. and he wrote that on the 4473. Yep. Yep. So that way, when they ran his information, oh, this is this guy with this number. Right. He's not this other guy that yep. had mm-hmm. a problem. So right. there are ways to make sure everything is complete and accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's good that they give you a pin for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also talk about closing the fugitive from justice loophole, which they say that the Trump administration got rid of restrictions preventing fugitives from justice from obtaining firearms. I kind of read into this a little bit, and this has to do with people who are wanted. Okay. It looks like. So basically, I guess a former administration, I'm not sure which one, um, signed into a law that if you're wanted, you are not allowed to purchase firearms. Um Trump, according according to Biden, reversed reversed that because um, so, it says because of actions by the Trump administration, records of almost five hundred thousand fugitives from justice who are prohibited who are prohibited from purchasing firearms were deleted. So, if this really goes into, do you have it there? Basically, on the forty four seventy three question eleven subsection D, mm-hmm. it asks, "Are you a fugitive from justice?" Yeah, but a fugitive from justice could mean that you were sentenced and then you didn't show up to go to jail right okay that's different but it you've also been says have you been convicted of court of a felony or any other crime for which the judge could have imprisoned you for more than one year so that's that's subsection c are you under indictment or in are you under indictment or information in any court for a felony or any other mm-hmm. crime which the judge could imprison you for more than one year right. so if you have already gone through the the, the, the and, judicial and the process, more, and the more than one year aspect comes into felonies, right? Because felonies are more than one year, right, of uh, of jail time. That's why that they put that that number on there. I think what this the, what this feels like to me is that um, they're they're trying to narrow what actually is a fugitive from justice that applies to this. If you if you have someone, because you know in some states, you know you get a you get arrested, you get something called a desk appearance ticket, which means you have to come back to court and then you can come back to court and then you might have to, you know, go to jail for a certain amount of time or whatever it is. But in some, in some instances you have been convicted and, you know, now you're a fugitive from conviction right? Um, or you were arrested for a crime. Okay. And you never showed up for your court date. Now you're a fugitive from justice, right? Because you're basically refusing to go to court. Okay. That is one type of being wanted, Right. That's one type of being a fugitive from justice. Being just a wanted person is not good enough, in my opinion, to have your rights stripped from you. Yeah. Look, Taylor, if you match the description of somebody and you become a person of interest, right. okay, and now they, they believe it's you, law enforcement believes it's you, and they, they, put a warrant, they put a warrant out for your arrest, I think that's what this kind of... Even this, though I haven't been... You haven't been arrested. Anything. You haven't yeah. been convicted. You're now a fugitive from justice. So now you you're, you can't buy a firearm. Right. And let's just say I went to a gun store coincidentally to buy a gun, and I didn't right. know I was wanted. Right. And I go to fill out a background <laughs> check, and I'm denied. Right. That's what we were talking about earlier. I see. I right. see what you're saying now. Right. So also, I think that because and everyone needs to understand that there's two types of being wanted. Just being wanted. you could be you could be a wanted person just for being a wanted person because they think that you had something to do with the crime. Right. Now, just also just kind of backtracking a little bit, question 11, subsection I of the 4473 says, have you been convicted in court of any misdemeanor crime of domestic violence? Which I know we were talking about misdemeanors earlier mm-hmm, and how, right. but domestic violence is, I think, should be included on that because oftentimes yeah. domestic violence and firearms don't mix. Of right? course. So yeah. if you have a history of domestic violence, but even though it's a misdemeanor, you can't buy a firearm because more than likely... 
domestic violence issues involving firearms are going to end pretty tragically. Mm -hmm. So I know I said earlier about if it's a misdemeanor, you shouldn't have your rights taken away. Right. There, again, there's there's certain things, there's certain standards. There's caveats, whatever. Right. You know. But, you know, a hate crime is encompasses a lot of things. Domestic violence is we all know what it is i don't have to describe it it's it's pretty it's pretty horrific and that yeah. goes in both ways women towards men and men towards women or people towards their children you know it, it it encompasses a lot of things and honestly that's when a lot of emotion gets into play firearms yeah. it's not good you know it's it's interesting you bring up the domestic violence aspect because they do cover that in the in this gun control measure um and there was a study that they that they linked and we'll talk about it in a little bit but there was a study that they linked that actually said that Females who are able to own firearms can prevent them from being killed. Oh yeah. So it's it's and we all know that. Oh yeah. How but many it times is you hear the story that, of a woman who has an abusive ex boyfriend? She yep. gets a gun. He tries to beat down the door to to do her harm, and mm -hmm. she shoots him. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that they they threw that in there. In they didn't write it in here. That was in the study. I had to go find that, but it's besides the point. Um, let's see here. Moving on. Um, they want to end the online sale of firearms and ammunition. That gets into interstate commerce clauses, you know? Yeah. Um, basically, it says Biden will enact legislation to prohibit the all online sales of firearms, ammunition, kits, and gun parts. So, what, you know, first of all, online sales, that's a very broad topic. I could buy a gun legally mm -hmm. online. I could buy a gun illegally online. Well, yeah, they don't want you to buy a gun at all online. Right. This is definitely going toward... Right. Uh, buying a gun illegally online is already prohibited. Yes. This exactly. is talking about legal purchase from right. a, from a dealer, either, uh, you know, some states you can get a chip Out to a door. Out of state, yeah. And then some places, you know, in New York State, you have to get a chip to an FFL and it has right. to be transferred to you. Right. So, so what if I want to then go online, go to another, go to the website of a, of a gun dealer in Florida and mm -hmm. buy that firearm? I mean, technically, I'm not buying it online. I mean, I'm technically transaction. The money is being transacted online, but it's being transferred in state so the act of transferring the firearm to me is happening in state the background check is happening in state mm -hmm. and honestly who who cares about firearms parts you know they're well, not firearms they're they just want to combat ghost guns allegedly stuff, right yeah but again you're going to regulate an entire you're, you're going to try and regulate something that should be unregulated mm -hmm. buying ammunition online what's the big deal yeah, and New York State tried this. Yes, they did. They and really tried this. It really, it, I think it wound up getting kind of quasi-overturned, where yeah. there was a... Basically, in the SAFE Act, they said, we're going to set up a background check provision for online mm -hmm. ammunition sales, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It was never done. Right. So how could you enforce a law in which the background check system was never put into place? Right. That's why people now, if you want to buy ammo online, you just have it shipped to a dealer, you give them $10, and they say, all right, here you go. Yeah. No one is safer. Yeah, no and one's safer. You could still buy ammunition online from places so, that will so ship so to your door yeah. in New York because yeah. the way they read the law says it was never put into place, therefore the law isn't valid. Right. Right? And so, honestly, buying guns online, and let's just say, for example, like websites like Arms List, people post a gun for sale in New York. I'm just saying New York. Right? Hey, I have a, a Mini 14 uh, for sale. Okay, cool. I'm going to buy that gun from you, but we both have to go to a, a, a store to do a background check in the state of New York. Mm -hmm. Technically, did I buy that gun online? The sale was facilitated via mm. the internet. Yeah, it's like you found the gun on the internet, right. but you actually were in person buying it, so is it really online? Yes, it was, yeah. because they right. want to end the advertising for sale of all firearms yeah. and firearms-related things on right. the internet. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I don't obviously agree with this at all. No, you know, there's there's no reason all. for it. I can understand. Look, like not that I agree with it, but I can understand if they want to say, you know what, let's do what New York did. You have to pet, you have to send it to an FFL to have a background check to make sure that you're a legal possessor. Okay, I get, I could, but that's something I can get behind. I know you're shaking your head, but I can no. get behind that more than just saying we're just banning it altogether. Because then it's that that gets their foot in the door and allows them to do other things. No, like, and I don't agree that we that we should have to do it, but I'm saying. From from someone who's rational, I can get behind that more than them saying, well, we're just going to ban it. No. You know, they're not. And this goes back to trying to pull people from one side or the other. This is not doing them any favors of gaining people. Not that, if, you know, gun If owners... I could go to a store and buy 2,000 rounds of 5.56, there should be no reason why I can't order that same ammo shipped to my door as a consumer commodity. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just talking about guns, though, in general. Well, Firearms guns, the same and... thing. Like, I think that, like I said before... I mm-hmm. don't think there should be any reason why guns can't be shipped straight to your door. Yeah. I mean, if the ba- if, if, if you're a ordering... A background check still needs to be done. If you're ordering from a federal firearms license, yeah. how about this? If you're ordering from a federal firearms license holder or a gun shop, let's just say I want to buy a gun over the internet in Pennsylvania, there should be no reason why I can't submit to them a background yeah. check and then mm-hmm. have them just ship me the gun straight to my house. Right. But obviously that gets into interstate commerce and, you know, state laws and whatever. But, you know, honestly, what, what's the big fucking deal? <laughs> Yeah. If I could I mean, buy a gun in state or right. out of state, if I could buy a gun in person or over the internet, mm-hmm. what does it matter? And honestly, well, over the it, internet yeah. is is a more it, it has a paper trail. Mm. You pay with a credit card, that's a paper yep. trail. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think what how this appeals to a lot of people is that the the when you go in person, like let's say you physically have to go to an FFL in New York State to do the background check to buy a gun off of gun broker. You're there in person. They know it's you. They're looking at you. They have your license. They see it's you buying the firearm. Online, there's no one to say, oh, well, you're Joe Schmo, but you have Taylor's information and you're buying the firearm. Well, so I'm just saying, like, although we don't agree with the measure, I think that that's the thinking for people who kind of support this. Well, it's like, well, how do we know you're the actual person buying the firearm? And what if it's not a firearm? What if it's just a barrel for a gun? Right. They regulate parts. They right. lump. They're lumping in parts to the same legal standard as an actual firearm, so they can prevent you from buying guns, uh, building guns at home. We exactly, know that. Right. and that's what they want, and which I of don't course. agree with. Right. Okay. Uh, moving on from this one. That um, one sucks. Yeah, it, it does, <laughs> and it's and it's so, and I don't think anything like that's ever going to pass. No. Um, create an effective program to in, to ensure individuals who become prohibited from possessing firearms relinquish their weapons. Okay, this screams to me registration. It is. Well, yeah. it's re- it's red flag laws. No, so, no, no, no. They cover red flag laws. This is not a red flag law. This is saying, okay, how are they going to... Taylor, you, you own a firearm. How are they going to track you to know that you gave your firearms up if you become a prohibited possessor? The only way they're going to know is if they put your name on a piece of paper with your firearm, you know, serial numbers. That's a registration. There's no other way they could do it. Or if they come to your house and issue a search warrant, you know, and toss your place looking for guns. Sure, but but you could put guns anywhere. Exactly. So they are going to need, and it says, um, to ensure individuals who, uh, let me see, they they go in here um, talking about, um, I can't find the exact wording, but they, they talk about coming up with measures that effectively could could do this for them so what's the only effective overall 100 percent effective way to know that you don't have a firearm in your home right. it's have a, it's have a national registration of every firearm right. so they can say to you okay well you have this firearm this firearm this firearm this firearm uh listed where are they exactly 
you know and now if you say oh well i sold them okay well did did you sell them privately oh you did oh that's against the law now too under us so uh right, you're now was... right so now you get charged with another felony so yeah. this to me screams registration 100 percent of the way they put it in a very nice little package saying oh we're gonna uh, create effective programs to ensure individuals who become prohibited possessors uh, we're going to make sure that they relinquish their firearms. How are you going to do that? I want to know how they're going to do that. Right. It's through registration. Mm, to I me, agree. the way I read it is registration. And moving on from that, the next one is is the red flag laws. Right. Which I think, again, people think that, oh, it's good that we should go and take guns from people that shouldn't mm-hmm. have them. Mm-hmm. Again, people, the general population might think that way. But what does that entail? And we've already seen right. tragic instances of people dying because, whether it's it's right or not, that they try to take guns from people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, I I don't think it's I don't think it's something that we should be doing. Yeah, they talk about incentivize. They want to incentivize states for a quote extreme risk laws. Um, and then they say extreme risk laws, also known as red flag laws. So they just kind of repackaged red flag into extreme risk. Um, this enables family members or law enforcement officials to temporarily remove an individual's access to firearms when that individual is in crisis and possess a danger to themselves or other people. Okay. Here's the problem with that. How many people, and we're going to use New York as an example, and let's use the city as a further example because I'm not sure how often this really happens on, uh, on Long Island. In the city, they have something called the mental health hygiene law, okay, where a police officer, someone who is an EMT, they could make a, dis- a determination just by standing in front of you if you should be removed to a hospital for a mental evaluation against your will. So if a police officer decides, you know, oh, uh, you, you know, who did someone say that you threatened to kill yourself? So if I call, right, or let's say Stevie calls, he goes, hey, you know, Taylor said that, you know, he's thinking about killing himself. He has firearms in his house and, you know, he was being suicidal. Now the police show up, EMS shows up. They're going to say to you, hey, you know, someone called. They said you were suicidal. Let's take you to the hospital, get you evaluated, you know, and, and get you checked out. You have to go against your will. You can't, you can't refuse medical attention on that. There are some instances where you can, but let's just say in this instance, you can't. Right. Now you're subject to getting your firearms removed from you. Right. Even though it says temporary, we all know that it's easily taken away, but very hard to get back. Yeah. Temporary. Okay. Great. Temporary. So let's put a time limit on it. Right. Okay. You know what? The government has 30 days to determine if you actually were a threat to yourself, if you actually are suicidal. Right. And if you're not, then they have no choice. They have to give your firearms back. Temporary right. is such an arbitrary thing. Temporary could, could mean what? Because they could just say, oh, well, we haven't made a determination. Now, do I have to petition to get my firearms back? You know, do I have to go to court? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's a real... Now, do you have to provide your medical information to the government to prove that you are allowed to own a firearm? And that yeah. gets into other things. Like, I don't want the government knowing... You know my medical history and, and stuff like that. It's like one of the, it's just one of those things, you know, where it's like another invasion of privacy. Right, right, yeah. And I think it could be misconstrued to where if somebody, let's just say an ex lover of sorts, wants oh, yeah, to say, sure. "Hey, he he, we broke up and mm-hmm. he threatened me and yeah. he's going through a crisis. I know he has right. a gun. All right, now you're you're off. You know, you're off to the yeah. mental. I ward. just want to I just want to stress that 
It's it's a it, good it, thing, it, it, but I, it can be misused greatly. Beyond being misused, you could be the subject of of being sent to the hospital when you really I mean when you really didn't need to be there. Right. And now you have on your record that you were forced into an institution. That I right. mean that's forced institution. I actually think on the background check it does say something along the lines yeah, of have you ever been uh, adjudicated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just actually Yeah, looking... but adjudicated is different. That's like via the courts. I know, I'm just looking um, really quick. Have you ever been adjudicated mental defective or have you ever been committed to a mental institution? Yeah, but that's that's different. Like com- being okay. committed that's that's, you know, through some sort of legal process, let's just say. Yeah, I mean, if you're, well, if I mean, who's to say this this isn't going to be combined with that? Well, because if you get, you know, what they call it in in New York City, they call it being EDP'd, right? Um, EDP stands for emotionally disturbed person. The it's just such a broad thing that really anybody could be. You could just be really mad and screaming, and they can determine, okay, you're an emotionally disturbed person. Now you have no choice. You have to go to the hospital to be evaluated. Um, you know, evaluate your mental status. Um, That I don't believe, you know, being committed and then just, you know, you going and getting evaluated are two different things. Okay. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, when when we get into, you know, enable family members or law enforcement officials to temporarily move firearms, are police officers or family members who have no education as far as mental health? Okay, so police officers are trained Okay, to deal with certain mental health issues as far as, you know, when they're on scene, how to talk to people, how to do whatever. But are they, and they're not, um, medically trained to determine if you actually are, you know, in some sort of, if you have some sort of mental issue. So it's, leaving this up to family members and law enforcement, I don't think is a good thing. Right. At all. Because, I'm sorry, but police officers, they're, they're not trained to say, okay, they're not trained to diagnose. Right. You know, they're not going to come up to you and say, okay, you know, what are your symptoms? Okay, like you have bipolar disorder. Okay. Right. So, yes, police officers are good to show up there, facilitate you getting help. But as far as making the de- the determination the determination that you're not allowed to have your firearms anymore, I think that's that's an overstep. I, I really think that's an overstep. I, I would agree with that. To give honorable mention, because I don't know if this really, I don't know if there's much to talk about here. Give states the incentives to set up gun licensing programs. It's just like one of those things where it's like, why do we need another license? Well, it also says give state incentive. So hey, yeah, so they're if not you don't, force it. if if you don't set up this licensing scheme that I have, maybe you won't get that much funding and for disaster roads. relief for yeah, yeah, roads exactly, yeah. or you know, it sounds right. like a real like kind of mob tactic in that one. Oh, it is, of course. Right? You know yeah. why? What if the state says, you know, go screw off? We don't want licensing. This is a good one adequately fund the background check system i'm sorry are you are you admitting that the background system is underfunded (laughs) you know (laughs) i i happen to think though that that is another thing that i could kind of jive with basically making sure that the background check system is accurate Mm -hmm. complete and funded and then that would also prevent a lot of things like delays yeah. and and yep. um, and prohibited persons getting firearms. If you're going to have a background check system, mm-hmm. make sure it's 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 fucking good. Yeah, you and know? I think this is this is interesting because this is Biden's campaign kind of saying like, yeah, the the government is partly responsible for people getting these guns when they shouldn't have. Oh them. yeah, you know, and they'll spend money on hear. everything else, but yeah. God forbid you make sure that our background check system to provide to get firearms is right. you know complete right. and. Let's, I mean, let's be frank. If they did provide, you know, a more uh, better funding for the system, then maybe we wouldn't have to have that three-day, you know, law exactly. where we have to bump it to, to ten days and exactly. stuff like that. So exactly, or um, you wouldn't hear things yeah. like he fell through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he fell through the cracks, which is tragic. 
Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Let's see. At the bottom of this page, they start to talk about domestic violence and things like that. Um, geez, did, do you have anything to say about this? I mean, I think we all agree that domestic violence is obviously an issue. Yes, it is definitely an issue. And, um, you know, I think it's it's such um, one of those things that can go from zero to 100. Mm-hmm. That, of course, there's emotion involved and yeah. there's family involved and kids and, yeah. you know, going back to what I was saying before with with the study that they actually linked, um, I read through it a little bit, and at one point the study does state a victim's access to a gun, a victim's access to a gun, could plausibly reduce her risk of being killed, at least if she lives uh, separated from the abuser. Mm-hmm. Um, it also shows that there is an eight-fold uh, increase in intimate partner femicide, which is, for those who don't know, it's a woman being killed solely because she's a woman. So I think that they kind of, can you really determine that as being domestic violence? Domestic violence is, you know, you beat your wife, your wife beats you. It can go both ways. But to say, you know, femicide is you're being murdered, you're being killed just because you're a woman. If you look up the definition. Right. I think, unfortunately, that might come into play in some domestic violence yeah, situations. I think, I think in some but, domestic violence situations, but not all of them. No, no, not by a long shot. Right. You know, somebody somebody might get killed because they cheated on their lover. I mean, Correct. as fucked up as that sounds. Right. But, you know, you're not killing them because solely they're a woman or a man. Correct. You're Correct. just killing them because, because you know, I mean, crime of passion. got some strange. You know, right. Um, and then it goes forward to say that they want to prevent known abusers from accessing firearms, and that can save lives. Which, but you know what? If Have they been convicted of anything? If they're a known yeah, abuser? A known abuser kind of gets into, like, a dangerous little... Oh, because, you know, Stevie over there is known mm-hmm. to beat his girlfriend. Right. Well, was he ever convicted well, of it? Well, here's the thing. In New York Sorry, State... Steve. <laughs> Steve's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, know. I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stevie. Damn, you blew up his spot. Good. Oh, shit. <laughs> so in New York State, I'm not sure how many people know this because probably not a lot of people have had to deal with it. If if the police show up to your house, um, and it's for a call that has to do with you know a family, so let's say you live in an apartment building your next door neighbor calls the police and says hey i hear people screaming in the apartment building it sounds like you know there's a man and a wife for you know two you know two people fighting and they're arguing and and let's say the dispatcher decides okay this sounds like a family job is what it's called which means that there's some sort of and new york state has it's diff has um has a has different criteria for what is considered a family type situation. Okay, intimate relationship, married, divorced. You know, you have kids in common, things like that. Okay, so the dispatcher decides, hey, this is going to be a family related job. They send a unit over there. They send two police officers, one police officer, whatever it is, a group of them, to to go find out what's going on. Under New York State law, for the police officer, they're now required to do something called a DIR or a domestic incident report. Um, now I, I can tell you if the police show up to your door, okay. And you know, you, you can refuse the, uh, you can refuse completing this, this piece of paperwork. Okay. And they just write that you refuse to talk and they'll write, you know, they went because there was a third party caller that said they heard fighting, you know, and made contact or, you know, no one answered the door, whatever it is. And, you know, there was nothing determined that would be, you know, domestic abuse. Let's say something happened and you and your wife did have an argument. And, you know, your wife says, you know what? I do want to do the report. I want to do the report because he was yelling at me because we had a fight. It was it was verbal, and it was because I overcooked the steak tonight. 
right? You'd be surprised, but this this shit happens, man. I, I know. I okay, so I now your name, she'll give your your name to the police officers, and it's going to go on this report, which is going to get filed, gets inputted, gets filed with New York State. Now, are you because your name is on this report? Are, are you, you a now known a abuser? known abuser? I think you're I just knowing that you don't like overcooked steak. Well, no, going just, forward, just kidding. No, I know. <laughs> going forward, Taylor, let's say you and your wife had an argument. Now you leave the scene. You're not even there. So the police don't even know if you were actually there or not. But they get there. They go to fill out a, a domestic incident report. And your wife puts your name on this that you were there. Right. Who said you were actually there? Right. Only her. Mm-hmm. So now, in theory, can she... She could, you know, ruin that for you. Yeah. She could now link you to domestic violence exactly. in some way. Exactly. And I think that's a problem. And it, you know, she could also say that, you know, you hit her. Hmm. And now you're she filling could. out a criminal complaint. Exactly. So now you are... Now you have a criminal complaint against you that says that you you hit her, right? You know, and it's linked to domestic violence. So I think that it's it, it's important that we do deal with domestic violence and stuff like that, and 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 prevention of people getting guns. But I think it's also very important that we only do that if the person is convicted. Right. We can't just say, well, your name's on a piece of paper, so you're a known right. person. You need due process. That Correct. is very important. We can't just say known abuser and not really dig into, well, what exactly is a known abuser? Define it. Say right. someone who, a known abuser is someone who's been convicted in the past of domestic violence, whether that is, you know, you hit somebody, which would be a misdemeanor or anything like that. So it, that's that's very, very, very important to help people um, maintain their rights. Right, right. Um, no, exactly. I definitely agree. Yeah. Um one there's a there's a few other little points now that um that's gonna get that's gonna you know on this website here but the next one is um put america on the path to ensuring that 100 percent of firearms sold in america are smart guns yeah where where, where'd you jump to that's down below the um domestic abusers now hold on jeez i know there's so many papers you jumped well let me do this okay let me just go through the whole thing. We don't have to. We don't have to stick on these topics. Right. We don't have to stick on these topics too hard. We'll just give them an honorable mention because they're in there. Establish a new task force for online harassment um, and abuse. So they want to pretty much focus on people who are um, attacking people online, and then they want to like kind of investigate to see if those people should have firearms or not. I think that that could lead into a lot of weird shit going on yes expand the use of evidence-based lethality assessments by law enforcement in case of domestic violence again this this is all about domestic violence stuff you can read into it a little further if you want um let's see make okay this so this is the next point that i kind of pointed out okay make sure firearm owners take responsibility for ensuring their weapons are used safely put americans on a path to ensure 100 percent of the firearms sold in the u.s are smart guns okay so I had a lot to say about the smart guns. What did what did what did you want to say about the smart guns? I think a gun <laughs> shouldn't yeah. be connected to the internet yeah. or yeah. shouldn't be subject to things like fingerprints. Yeah. yeah. It's a gun. It's a mechanical yeah. device. Just like your car, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. a key. I mean, some people say, Well, cars are smart now. True. Mm-hmm. I don't really jive with that right, necessarily. Right. But you know, now does it mean that every gun sold new has to be a or, or does your gun a have to be retrofit? 
They tried smart guns years ago. They did. And New Jersey, I think, mandated by a certain time that all guns have to be smart guns. Yeah. The technology is not it's there. Not. They tried it in a twenty two, and it only worked like, I don't know, 80% of the time or yeah. something. I saw a demonstration that a company was trying to basically sell um, this technology to a police department with, with the idea of, look, if, you're, if your police officer is in some sort of incident, their gun gets taken, it requires their fingerprint to shoot, so the person who is who stole the gun from them won't be able to shoot them. Um, during this demonstration, the person pulled the gun, um, and it was there. It was supposed to be their gun with their fingerprint. They pulled the trigger, and the gun did not go off. There's nothing scarier for a law enforcement officer than pulling your gun out and having to use it, and your gun does not go off. What people have to realize is that technology fails. A lot. Yeah. How many times, you know, when we had the iPhones with the fucking fingerprints, did your fingerprint bump, 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 not fucking work because the thing is fucking dirty, your your finger is wet, so your fingerprint is a little weird. There's like, you know, there's just so many different things. I don't use that shit. Yeah. Not, well, <laughs> I don't trust it. Oh, whatever. But I'm just saying there's, you'd have no choice in this, in this I instance. Know. Well, also, does that mean that because it says every gun sold, is that new guns? Is that old guns? I yeah, mean, I'm sure it's new guns. You know, I'm sure yeah. things would be grandfathered in, which means that there's millions and millions and millions exactly. and millions and millions of there's, guns there's 300 there. something million guns yeah. that aren't smart right. guns. But, so I mean, just the safety factor of this. And look, Taylor, like you're not going out and killing people because you're a criminal. On the off chance that you need to use your firearm, do you really want to rely on a battery that may not have been changed for that fingerprint? You know, it's right. just like one of those and things. And let's just say, for example, you go out and buy a smart gun, and then you go and kill somebody with it. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did that do? It's still a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're still going... I think yep. they just don't want people who who aren't you to have your guns. Oh, yeah. But... What's the stop? Yep. Is that gun any less lethal? I mean, mm-hmm. I would think it's less lethal because it might not fucking work. Yeah. But, yeah. but you it's, know, is it really stopping somebody no. from committing a crime with a no, firearm? I think it's prevent. It's a. It's an the unintent unintended side effect is that you may be killed because your firearm didn't function when you needed it to function. What the real intention of this law is is that they don't want manufacturers to make guns anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're mandating like micro stamping all these bullshit things yeah. that these gun owners have to abide by and if they can't they can't make guns. So a de facto end to gun manufacturing in the US yeah. mm-hmm. via lawfare. Yeah. So it's just another one of those things. I don't agree with it. I think it's super dangerous for the law-abiding citizen. I think it's super dangerous for somebody who might have to unfortunately use their firearm and then all of a sudden this fingerprint technology just fails to work. And then if you want to get into like the weird conspiracy aspect of it, who's who's saying that this won't be connected to some sort of, you know, cloud system where the government can say, okay, well, you know what? We're just going to turn off, you know, his fingerprint for all firearms related to him, you know, which I think could be possibility down the line. What do you think? I think so. Yeah? What are you reading over there? I'm just scrolling to the next point. Yeah. The next point, and it kind of just jumps into this real quick, requires gun owners to safely store their weapons. I'm assuming that means that you need to have a safe. Who's coming? Like, who, dude, who's coming to your house to make sure you have a safe? And- it's more of an after effect, after the fact thing. If something happens, they could charge you. Well, yeah. you didn't have your gun locked up and somebody came in and stole it. Right. Now, you're a victim of a crime and you're going to be charged with a crime. Yeah, that's really sure. what I think yep. it mm-hmm. gets down. Oh yeah, to. I can see that. Yeah, which one do you want to tackle next? Um, 
One, well, it looks like we're almost done here. Yeah, Got kind of. A couple more pages. Obviously, things that are kind of, uh, I, I hate to use the phrase common sense, but it says mm-hmm. prioritize prosecution of straw purchasers, yeah. which, you know, everyone could get behind. If you go I and purchase so, right. a gun for somebody who can't have it, that's right. illegal. Right. Right. Notify law enforcement when a potential firearms purchaser fails a background check. We were kind of touched on this before. That doesn't happen already? What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> But this this Thanks, goes in, government. Yeah, but this goes into you know why why do we need that? Right. You know, why do we need that? I mean, the background check system did its job. Well, now why do we need law enforcement to follow up and and say to them, "Well, why did you purchase this fire? Why did you try and purchase this firearm?" I, I don't know. I I think it's it might be an unnecessary step. What are they what well, are they Well, only doing? if it's denied. If yeah. it's denied, there has to be a reason for its denial and it has to be explained to you. So again, you know that gets into other laws where mm-hmm. okay why was it denied you know what i think it this comes down to is the thought police yeah the thought that if you per- if you attempted to purchase a firearm and you were denied for whatever reason you must be up to no good you must be trying to commit a crime you must be trying to kill people right. no no that's not what it means it means maybe you didn't Something maybe happened. you didn't fucking know yeah maybe you accidentally put the wrong information or there was on an it. error on the back end exactly it happens so, all the time right. man so this is just one of those things where I think it's the thought police and I not that I don't think it can be good I think that it leaves a lot to be desired right right so um, one of the other one of the next ones is uh, require firearms owners to report if their weapon is lost or stolen I think it's sensible it is but there's now for example they a common way criminals get guns is stealing them correct or somebody let's just say buys a gun Mm -hmm. and says oh i lost it but really they gave it to criminal a and criminal a uses that in a a crime it gets Mm -hmm. back to the original owner the police ask oh what this gun was linked to you and it was oh i I lost that gun but i forgot to yeah but they could do that anyway i know but now they want to make it to where it's mandated to where you have to report it if it's lost or stolen yeah i mean number one if you don't know it's stolen or if you don't know it's lost Mm -hmm. then what Mm -hmm. happens if somebody steals it you don't know if they stole it. Right. Let's just say you, you it, it's something that you don't look at every day. It's in a drawer or whatever, and somebody mm-hmm. knows you have an old gun in a drawer. Gets used in the commission of a crime. It gets to, it gets you know traced back to you. Right. And you say, oh, it's in my drawer here. Oh, wait, it's not there? What? And now you're a criminal. I, I get the intention behind mm-hmm. it. I really do. Mm-hmm. But again, it there has to be, I guess it's a case-by-case thing, yeah. honestly. Well, I mean, like anything else, would go to court and you'd be determined if you... Right. Like how you many know. people steal their grandparents' medications and sell on and the black no market? Knows, right. And no one even knows. Exactly. Right. It kind of yeah. gets into that. Which again, good intentions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. I think it, I think it's good intentioned. And but at the same time, if I wanted to sell my gun to you know Steve, you know whatever, and, and you know I decided I'm just going to market uh, that I got that I got a lost or got stolen, you could still do that anyway. Right. So it doesn't really make a difference. Right. Um, um, next one is stop ghost guns, yeah. which you know we we've spoken at length about ghost guns. Yeah, I don't think we you, need to get too into you, it. Well, if you read it, they want to pass legis- legislation requiring. Oh wait, let me see. Uh, um, it's on the other page over oh, right here. I, I <laughs> There's so many this, pages. Yeah, it's know, hard man. enough. This this will ensure that the State Department continues to block the code used for 3D printed firearms being available on the internet. Dude, thought police. Thought police. Yeah, exactly. Thought police. Exactly. So. <laughs> And they try to they, do it they, under the under yeah. the guise that it's a defense article or something, yeah. and you can't they, distribute. They it. want to prevent you from even having the knowledge right. to do it. It's banning books. That that's, is it's, crazy. That's what it is. It's, it's it's 
It's a it's violation of freedom of speech. They think that just because you have the knowledge, you're going to do it, so let's make it illegal, right. when that's not the case at all. There's nothing illegal about, let's just say, owning a book that tells you how to convert a firearm to full auto. Right. Right? There's nothing illegal you about that. But God forbid you have a file that allows you to manufacture a legal firearm. Right. That Now that's illegal. Right. I mean, like we said, thought police, thought police, thought police. They want to ban the knowledge, which is, I don't know, it's kind of scary. I definitely don't want to ban knowledge. I don't. I think this country is very no. for not banning. No. I'm know. against burning books and yeah. banning knowledge and you know, all that bullshit. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the next. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was going to say uh, tackling the urban gun violence with targeted evidence-based community interventions. It's like in its own little box. Oh. I was going to say one thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. But before that, it says reform, fund, and empower the U.S. Justice Department to enforce our gun laws. Mm -hmm. You know, just like the Justice Department under Eric Holder that ran guns into Mexico under Operation Fast and Furious. Mm -hmm. You know, what the fuck? Yep. (laughs) Government was running guns to Mexico and got Agent Brian Terry, a border uh, border agent, killed. Yep. And now we want to trust them and fund them and empower them. And I don't think anybody was even held accountable. For no, that. Eric yeah. Holder. Yeah, nobody went to jail over yeah, it. It's it was. It was. So a, someone's dead because of the government intervention. Well, not even government intervention. Intervention. They knowingly ran guns right. into Mexico to right. try to track them. Yeah. And then when it backfired, they tried to cover it up, and right. somebody blew the whistle on it, right. which right. is bullshit. It's ridiculous. So I just thought I just saw that. I'm like, yeah. really, yeah. really. It's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So tackle urban gun violence with targeted evidence-based right. community interventions. Right. Um, they want to use uh, community groups to help stop gun violence. Taylor, community groups. I mean, dude. <laughs> I have all over the country right now multiple law enforcement agencies that are shutting down their gun suppression programs. These are units of people who would go out, they would find people with guns, they would arrest people with guns, they would get guns off the street. In the news right now, New York city is really 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 taking fire for this they they shut down their anti-crime team the anti-crime team's sole purpose was to go in find guns get guns off the street make arrests they because of the defund the police movement have gotten rid of that that was one of the first things they got rid of yeah and as a result you see a huge spike in gun crime in new york city there's a huge crime of 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 people getting shot a huge spike in people getting killed from those shootings a huge crime of people walking around with guns it's it's just something that it really needs to be addressed and it's not just new york city there's a lot of agencies across the country who are shutting down their gun suppression programs i think it's a pos- a problem right going further than that they they talk about how they want the community to address it with the community so you want basically taylor you live on a, on a block in in brooklyn you know that there's people around that that have firearms so they want you to address it with a community group so the community group can go and they can address it with the people who are known to have firearms does that like does that not spell like a recipe for disaster to you you know, I, mean, I happen to think that a lot of places we look at when they say, you know, when you think of, let's just say, uh, an urban city, you know, mm-hmm. you think gang crimes, g- gang violence. I think that, honestly, the first step to a city or a community becoming a better city and community is for the community to get involved. The community itself to say, hey, I don't want to live in this shithole anymore. You people over there selling drugs. Like, what the fuck? Yep. Like, you're decreasing our property values. Mm-hmm. I happen to think that community-based activism is very important, along with sure. strong law enforcement. Mm-hmm. The community can do all they want, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. they can't arrest somebody who yep. has a gun or uses it in the commission of a crime. Right. They can't—they could rat somebody out—not rat, but they could say, hey, Joe over there on the corner— 
is selling drugs. Yep. We tried intervening. It's mm-hmm. not nothing's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Now you call law enforcement, and honestly, right. I think that morality and a strong community i mean you know you always say people always have the edge you know we used to be able to live with our doors unlocked and the Mm -hmm. community was so much better sure well what's gonna take for some areas to get back to that community-based activism but i see what you're saying along the lines of defunding the police and defunding task force it's they need to work hand in hand because you have the community you have the law enforcement they need to work together right um going further there the um do you remember um, a couple months ago when they were like setting off fireworks in New York City every single oh day God, all yeah. day long all night long from like I don't even know 10 o'clock at night all the way to like 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning yeah. the the city council there a lot of people were calling the police for that and the city council had said look this isn't really a police issue what we want to have happen is we want community members to go and approach these basically like younger people on the street and talk to them and say hey look I have kids they're trying to sleep do you guys mind um there was a a a woman who decided to hey let me give it a shot i can't call the police you know that's not what they want me to do they want me to approach so this woman approached this person who was setting off firearms i think you might have heard about this she approached a person who was setting off firearms the person took out a gun and fucking shot her and killed her yeah, so I heard about that. Yeah, it's I mean, very tragic. It's it's fucking terrible. We right. have these politicians who are saying we don't want to do anything about it. We don't want the police involved because right now it's very popular to hate the police. Right. So go out and we want you to you and try and deal with it yourself within the community. To you know the community should be able to police itself, right? And this person gets shot because of it, all because politicians wanted to push a narrative of the police are really bad and try and deal with it yourself. So I think you know I think it's a problem. I think it is as well. But like I said, I think it's. It should be equal, where a community wants to better itself, sure. better the area in which people live, right. but you need the law to be able to help them do that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you should be able to call the police with an issue that can't be handled on your own, and the right. police need to be empowered to be able to do something about it. When I say empowered, do I mean, you know, go out and beat people? Obviously no. not. But they need to be in a position where they know if something... You know, if you're a cop and you go up to somebody and they're playing music really loud and you say to them, hey, look, I came by a couple times, they asked you to lower the music. Now it's going to get to the point where I have to issue a summons and the person says to you, no, I'm not giving you a summons. Well, now you have to arrest that person so you can bring them back to the station house so you can determine who they are so you can issue that summons. Right. Now what if they say, well, I'm not fucking going with you. Now you're now you're in a physical altercation. Now you know something happens. Tasers come out. The person gets tased. The person's getting arrested. They're resisting. It looks very violent. You know, people take out their cameras. They're recording. You know, screaming things like "Oh, he can't breathe." All this shit. And now you're on the news the next morning as the cop who came and people were just minding their own business, playing their music, and now you are on film with what looks like you are beating the person who's actively violently resisting you. And like I said, if you become the, the cop or the group of cops who beat somebody for playing music, what they don't tell you is that there was a dozen calls and this is a chronic location for, you know, really loud music right. being played. It's just one of those things that the police departments have to support the law enforcement. They do. They, they have to. Or the communities have to support the law enforcement and the police do Correct. as well. Correct. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, communities have to be able to trust the police departments, but unfortunately, politicians, unfortunately, they're saying, "Oh, don't trust the police department." They're right. they're through their actions. They're showing that the police department can't be trusted. Exactly. You know, and going into the gun laws and stuff like that. When someone gets arrested for a gun offense, they need to be jailed properly. They need to be 
you know, dealt with with the with the district attorneys. So many times you see gun charges get dropped because the district attorneys are like, well, you can't exactly prove that the gun was theirs, even though it was in their car. There was more than one person in the car, so it could have been anybody's. So we can't charge it. So they drop it. That's a problem, too. It is. The law states if there's a gun in the car and no one takes responsibility for it, everyone gets charged for it. That's it. Mm-hmm. it the, the charges doesn't get dropped. No. That's another problem. So we need that. Um, and going into recidivism a little bit um, with gun laws, you know, I there was um, there was a guy I was talking to not too long ago. You know what recidivism is, yes. right? Okay. For those of you who don't know, it's you get charged with something or you, you get convicted of something, you, you get released from prison, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. Recidivism. People are having things pop up on their records that they're recidivists for homicide. Well, How the fuck are you a recidivist for homicide? Dude, that is, you killed somebody, you went out, you killed somebody again, you got released again. Right. Fool me That's once, shame fucking on backwards me. how Fool you could be a recidivist for homicide. Yeah. So, I, I don't get it, man. This, it, this, goes, this comes down to a, a government thing. They're not, people aren't being tried properly because in a lot of these liberal cities... The, the politicians are telling their, their DAs and their ADAs, we don't want to process these things to the fullest extent of the law. Right. Exactly. What do you want to talk about next? Um, well, I think one of the other ones that we could kind of go through is, um, let's just see, one of the next points is dedicate the brightest scientific minds to solving the gun violence public yeah, health e- epidemic. I mean, look, you, I guess, you know, people say, well, the government... Certain administrations block studies into gun violence. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, is it really an epidemic? Is it really something that right. the government needs to study and research like that to supposedly end? Mm-hmm. I mean, we already have statistics, and you could use those statistics to draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Um, they want to use the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Gun violence isn't a disease, you know? Yeah. It's I don't mm-hmm. think it's a public health issue. They want to make it a public health issue so that way it could be funded yeah. by other means by the government and mm-hmm. they, they could do a lot more with it. Um, the next one is prohibit the use of federal funds to arm or train educators to discharge firearms. Again, this is another hot topic. I disagree. Exactly. I, I disagree. think it should be a personal choice for the teacher, a personal choice Correct. for the school district, and Correct. one that's voted on by the people in that community. Correct. Again, people want community-based activism. Correct. Well, have a community vote on Correct. it. Correct. I've, I've said this so many times. When you send your, your child to a public school, your child is in care of the government at that right. point. They're in care of the government, and the government does very little to protect your child in a school. Right. There's no reason why people should be able to walk into a school and fucking kill people. Right. There's no reason for and it. Honestly, Doors fucking lock. Okay, you can put bulletproof glass and things. You have security checks. There, there's ways around it. Right. And you go to New York City, in some schools, you have to walk through a metal detector. Right. Okay? If you're worried about children being killed on campus, you should have police officers there. Yeah, school resource okay? officers. School resource officers who are allowed to 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 carry guns. Right. I mean, if you look in New York City, the Department of Education had school safety, which they don't carry firearms, and they got rid of... Um, I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> Pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. They got rid of um, armed uh, police officers in the schools, um, and they have these school safety agents who are unarmed. So what happens when somebody comes into that school and tries to shoot people. You have people who are unarmed there to protect children. Right. It makes no no sense to me at I, all. I don't agree with this measure at all. I think that if you're a teacher and you want to carry a, a firearm choice. and you're trained and you're licensed properly right. and you're legal, 
you should be able to do. Nobody's it. mandating that teachers do this. Nobody people say teachers shouldn't be soldiers. Oh yeah. And you know what? Honestly, if if I was a teacher and an educator in today's climate, mm-hmm. more so, I'd want it for my own protection. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. let alone the kids. How many stories did you hear of teachers mm-hmm. shielding their kids from from yeah. these lunatics? Yeah. You know, honestly, if I was an educator, and I know a lot of educators tend to be very left leaning, mm-hmm. um, if it was a personal choice, I would I would yep. want it. And I'm friends with people on Facebook who are teachers, and I've seen them write like, you know, this usually I haven't seen it recently. This is when like one of the school last school shootings happened. Unfortunately, they were like a lot of people were talking about, oh, let's let's have teachers who want to carry firearms be allowed to carry firearms on school grounds. Right. And they're like, oh. I became a teacher. If I wanted to become, if I wanted to carry a gun into somewhere, I would have became a cop. I would have became, I would have became a soldier. Okay, and great. You know like no one is saying to you that you have no choice. That so is your is that? choice, but we right. shouldn't block federal funding from allowing, you know, teachers and uh, schools to be to get the resources they need to combat right. this. Right. Like I said, your child is under the under the protection of a school at that point. It's a problem that the school isn't doing more to protect your child. And um, I think that, honestly, they want to push the gun control measure. So maybe they don't really want to protect them all that much, you know. So Right. The next and one of the last points is addressing the epidemic of suicides by firearms. It says Biden believes that any plan to address the gun violence epidemic must address suicides by firearms, Mm -hmm. which account for six in ten gun related deaths, but are often left out of the conversation. Yep. That is true. They do account for 60% of the deaths, and they often are left out of conversation intentionally by people who want to pass Mm -hmm. statistics in order to bolster up the numbers. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm amazed that they actually, you know... Well, it's also the last thing on the list, so what are the odds that you get there? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, with all this other bullshit that you had to read through. I mean, it even gets into um, many of the policies noted above, including safe storage requirements and extreme risk protection orders, will have a serious impact on efforts to reduce gun violence. Yep. Again, so you're linking, Mm. you're lumping in suicides with gun violence, even though it accounts for 60% of it. Right. I I mean, look, I, I come from an industry where there's, you know, there's a lot of suicide. Yeah. Right. You know, law enforcement. There's a lot of suicides in law enforcement, yeah. and soldiers, veterans, I mean, law can, enforcement. It officers. can be. It can be stated that having access to a firearm can increase the speed that you can kill yourself. You have right. the gun right there next to you. You know, you make the decision. I'm just going to do it. You know, it, it. It can. There's an argument that can be made for that. So. Do I think that guns are the actual issue? No, I think that no. it's obviously um, mental health care. Right. You know, we have to ensure that people who have mental conditions are treated properly. Or to end know. the stigma of treatment of mental health. Oh, yeah. You know, I a mean, lot of people don't right. want to go seek mental health because they think it'll negatively impact mm-hmm. their job, oh, their yeah. life, their yeah, public yeah, yeah. image. No doubt. Yeah. And I think that's also a big problem in, the, in every police department. You know, because what happens when you tell the police department, hey, I'm having issues at home? The Ooh. first thing they do is they take your gun from you. Yep. They take your shield from you. And for a lot of people, your shield is who you are. Yeah. People don't understand because they're not cops, but cops will understand that it's part of you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, if you, there, look, if you are walking around, you see a cop with no shield on at your command, you know that they're either in trouble or they have some other shit going on. And people look at you different. Right. You know, so... I, you, the 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 job needs to really focus on not stripping people of their identity right you know like i said and stigmas really open yeah. up the conversation as to why people nowadays are thinking of this right. is it the economy is it the world we live in is it you know people struggling especially in new york long island i mean 
shit, we pay some of the most ridiculous prices to live on this tiny island. Yeah. And it's stressful. People can't make ends meet. Housing is crazy expensive. Taxes mm-hmm. are crazy expensive. Yeah. Doing anything here is crazy yeah, expensive. It is, yeah. And if you already have your plate full and you just, mm-hmm. you know, you can't deal with mm-hmm. it anymore, that's, a, that's yeah. a conversation we all need to have. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I don't think COVID makes it any better. No, COVID, COVID is not destroying people's oh, lives. Oh, my okay? God. When I, and also, you know, there is a part of me, like, we all know that COVID was real. Yeah. Four or five months ago, there was an alarming rate of people who were getting it, people who were dying. It's a problem. Okay. Yeah. You look at the You look at the numbers now. I looked, Suffolk County had like 65 people who were confirmed cases out of, I think it was like 1.4, 1.5 million people, no deaths right now. Okay. So why are we still doing this? Why exactly. are, why are people, why are people's businesses still getting shut down? Hmm. Why are people's businesses still At the still hands closed? of the government. At the hand, exactly. So there's a big part of right. people's beliefs that it is, um, you a run a business political. for 50 years and then the government says you have to shut right. down and then right. you can't come back. Right. And what we have to look at is the offset of people who were dying via suicide or whatever it is because of covid versus because their business is shut down versus people who are still dying from covid because of covid and i think you know trump has made the argument where look we're at a point right now where less people are going to die from covid and more people's lives are going to be ruined to the point of suicide right or you know what what happens if Financial you lost your job ruin. lost your job and you lost your health and health right. insurance yeah more that people, was a big fear of me more, right more people are going to be hurt more people are going to die due to all these government restrictions and mandates then are actually getting sick and dying from COVID at this current time. Yes. Don't forget, this was originally let's flatten the curve. Well, you look at the timeline, the curve has fucking been flattened. Now it's, well, we have to find a cure. We can't go back to normal until everything is at zero. Look, it's never going to be at zero. it's funny that this is during an election year, mind you. Yeah. I know. I think, you know, it has something to do with it. Yes. Trump has said it. And, you know, not that I'm saying that I agree with everything Trump says or whatever, but he does make a valid point where at one point some you're going to have to make a risk assessment right. based on is it actually that dangerous versus is it really not that dangerous and and the government has to let people make a decision on their own exactly you know so you know it's just one of those things and, and i agree i think more people's lives are going to be ruined and more people are going to die more people are going to you know commit suicide because of these restrictions people are losing their businesses losing everything they've worked for their homes everything you know, because of these restrictions on yeah. COVID. So. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think we pretty much reached the end of the list. Yeah, we covered everything. I know it was a long show. <laughs> I know. Thank you for sticking I, with yeah, us if you're still here. Yeah. But um, this is honestly something very important. Dude, it's so important right This now. is something that gets into a lot of other things more than guns. Civil rights, mm-hmm. your life, mm-hmm. your job, mm-hmm. your family. Yep. Yep. And I think honestly that any politician that wants to get this deep into restricting your constitutional rights yep. and controlling your life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not something that I would... It's not somebody who I would vote for. No. I mean, I think... I'm not sure if you do, but you know, I, I lean more on the libertarian side of things. I agree you with know, certain so, things, yeah. Right, and so, that's why I said, I, you know what? I'll give I'll give Biden credit for two of the things that he proposed. Yeah, not everything in, no. Bi- in Biden's plan no. is terrible. And I'm not I'm not you know I'm not completely on one side or another on this. If it actually sounds like it'll make sense and it will actually yeah. improve things, mm-hmm. I will say yeah. I agree with this. Yeah, just right. Right. people have a hard time maybe getting out of their political pigeonhole in order to say, yeah, that's a good idea. But honestly, mm-hmm. you have to look at things from a rational perspective, just like we did. We broke everything down. We right. said this, this, this. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. Right. And there's always going to be people who don't agree with you. Right. And there's going to be people who don't agree with us. I'm sure right. there's going to be gun owners who think that some of these things that we didn't like are good, sensible measures. And right. that's fine. You're allowed to feel that way. Right. We're not telling you who to vote for. If the person right. who you are 
you know, if this if this works for you, if Biden's if Biden's you know plan works for you, and you're a one issue voter, and the issue that you decide your vote on is guns, then by all means vote for Biden. Right. I don't care who you are, right. Taylor. If you want to vote for Biden, go for it, Stevie. If you want to vote for Biden or Trump, go for it. It doesn't it doesn't make a difference to me at right. the end of the day. It, that's your personal choice. I'm not right. gonna I'm not gonna sit here and try and talk you into voting for one or the other. Right. But we just felt like you know because it is a gun podcast, we should break down Biden's policies. I'm sure yeah. most people who listen to our podcast are probably not voting for Biden in the first place, just because you know stereotype. Most gun owners are Republicans, conservatives, and libertarians. Most I'd say about eighty percent. Yeah. So, but I think also those same people will find this interesting. Oh yeah, no, so, no doubt. And you could look this up. Go to JoeBiden.com. Look yeah. at his proposals. There are yep. links for certain things which have yeah. their statistics, their there's proof studies, of things. Yeah, their studies but and articles. Do, do and some reading on your own. Yeah, Make your definitely. own informed decision. Um, but honestly, I think this is a very important issue, especially definitely. going forward. I mean, this could be another eight years that we have to deal with this shit. Right. So, yeah. So, and they're threatening, you know, executive orders and right. all this other stuff it's, and how it could you gonna, be scary how are you going to engage in civil war if you can only buy one gun a month <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people think that civil war is on the horizon i don't think i don't think we're there yet but jesus christ all right all right taylor i think we're good for today i know this episode was very long right um, thank you everyone for listening yeah and, uh, listen if really you liked it, it let us know share it tag us in shit leave on, us a review on itunes on oh, yeah, spotify cool. or, make sure you only leave us a review if it's five star um <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just messing around. If you didn't like it, let us know, too. Um, all right. I think we're all good for today. All right, cool. Thanks, John. All right, cool. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode at the NY Gun Guys podcast. We do release a new episode every Monday. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at NYGunGuys. Please give us a like, a follow, and a share. If you have any feedback or a suggestion for a future episode, definitely send us an email at info at NYGunGuys.com. We'll see you next time. Be safe out there.